It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey everybody, this is Gene from the Natural Order of Everything. We're going to get everybody a few minutes to log in. So just sit tight. I'll announce when we get on, when the recording comes out, so that you guys will be able to find it a lot easier. Give us about five, ten minutes and we'll get everything going.
Is that you, Mike? Yeah, it's me. Hey, what's going on, brother? Oh, man, I can't call it. How your day going? It's going pretty good, man. It's going really good. We actually got some sun here in Michigan for the first time in a long time. <laughs> it's, oh, it's, been, it's, been, it's been cold out here. <laughs> it's been cold and wet. It, 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 it's oh, cold and wet. No snow on the ground, though. No. No, but ain't nobody able to plant nothing. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a little different this season, man. How you been? Oh man, uh, uh, getting this, getting this, getting this gop, getting that money in, just getting off. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I said, I said I'm not gonna call it guap. I'm gonna call that gop. I'm getting that gop. Gop. Dene Ane Tasa Gop. Come on. Man, let me tell you what. Uh, working with him for me has been just an eye-opening experience. I know you and me have talked, you know what I'm saying, uh, off the show. And some of the revelations and some of the things that he pulls up is something that uh, in Croatia is the real deal. And to me, it's all about just lining up those uh, thought forms, man, those deities. and I say this too. It's also a matter of uh, I don't want to say opportunity, but it's like jump rope. You know, you got to jump in at the right time. Uh, uh, previously, the only Goetia I had I had ever attempted to work with was uh, Camo, and I, and I had I had excellent success, and I kind of was like I you know. I was good from there. And and the thing about the thing that I noticed about uh the Croatia is that you'll find a lot of the uh textbook information is real uh I don't want to say skimpy, but it's kind of scarce, you know? Uh outside of the basic information you get in terms of uh the description and and what they do, a lot of it is left up to the user's interpretation. And if you don't have the experience or, you know, or, or the wherewithal, you'll find yourself kind of saying, man, this, this don't make no sense. How, how do I do this? How do I do that? But uh, I can honestly say that through, from panic, Bobby did a lot of lectures on it, but through panic and, 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 and Bobby and then brothers like you, Shannon, and Ajin, uh helped to tie a lot of stuff in. So. I, I I feel like I was able to actually uh, access. God came through so so swiftly that it blew me away. And to be honest, when you had made that Facebook post, um, at first I was like, oh, I'm gonna check it out. And then the more I got into, it, I realized, man, God been coming through. You know, previous to even, you know, uh, what what I thought. You know, you brought it up. But I realized, man, He had been coming through. So that's the beauty of it when you realize that it's the right time to work with it because uh, 
you'll find that sometimes you might want to work with a deity, but it's not meant to be. You're supposed to be working somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, uh, yeah, I, definitely. For me, I was going through the whole Goetia and I decided, like, you know what? I'm definitely going to jump into it. And 33 came up for me because that's my age right now. And I was like, you know what? That's perfect. That's perfect. And I always aspire to get to the 33rd degree. So for me, it just worked. Uh, it, it just, it, you know, it lined up. And almost immediately, uh, I had a connection and started chanting and getting into everything. And the biggest thing for me with working with God is uh, I stopped saying yes to myself and stopped worrying. Yeah. Yep. I stopped worrying about the small yep. stuff. And, you know, for me, he helps with finding hidden treasures. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. there's been something in my family and uh, there's been a, a, a business that my father and my grandfather got into and I really wanted nothing to do with it. You know what I'm saying? And finally now, since I've been working with him, it makes sense that I need to take all that experience and take it to our family to the next level, you know, and, and, and make it so that my nephews and my sons and everybody's got, you know, jobs and all that became extremely clear to me on a business level working with God. And I mean, 100% came to me while working with him because I wanted nothing to do with my family's business. My dad offered it to me when I was about 21 and I wanted nothing to do with it at all. <laughs> and now here mm-hmm. I am, uh, what am I, 13 years later? And uh, I'm looking at it like, okay. Now is the time. I talked to my brother. He's really combative. He was like, bro, that's the greatest idea I've ever heard in my life. Things are just lining up. Everything is just working its way out. And uh, things have become very, very, very clear. Um, I'm noticing that uh, I'm bringing up a lot of stuff that I did as a kid that I've forgotten about. And it's uh, things that things previously that would have bothered me don't bother me as much anymore. I just see it and just kind of just shrug it off. You know, certain stuff that maybe when I was being mean to somebody or something, I would have thought about and kind of held on to. Thought just kind of comes and goes. It's been really interesting working with God. Um, he brought, you know, the thought form brought a familiar to me. It's, it's been really, really interesting. The only thing I could tell somebody is just go into it with zero fears and be very very open-minded there is nothing to fear at all except for success i mean i don't know i I haven't had any kind of issues at all the only things that i've seen are pictures have become way more clear in my understanding of those pictures so now i'm not mad at the situation as much as reflecting on why am i in those situations so my experience with the goetic deity goth has been just amazing well, what I want to say real quick, cause I know we're on, on, on air, and a lot of people may not know we might be speaking in shorthand. I just want to, just to get some background info before we move forward and get oh, to sure. the main topic. But I just wanted to say that uh, these, they have the, they have the name of demon. And for a lot of people, they see that and they say, oh, man, you know, I, to be honest, I, uh, the uh, R is Goetia. It's 72, 72 demons that King Solomon actually used to build the temple. And <laughs> believe it or not, I was talking to a, a brother Mason. And he told me, uh, well, you know, uh, I don't have any mental illnesses and my mind is clear, so I've never been plagued 
with demons. And I'm like, well, what makes you think it's a plague? Well, you know, he's just going off of the name of demon. And so it just was amazing to me, the fact that you are a mason. So when I asked him, I said, well, hey, you know that uh, King Solomon built a temple with those demons, and he was stuck. And and the, the, the one thing that people don't realize is, like you said about removing the fear, what most don't realize is we're just talking energies that are present inside your body, negative and positive polarities. So a lot of people think of good and evil, so an angel is good and a demon no. It's just energies, and these 72 energies got broken down. I believe it was in the uh, polarity to get to the white stone where it says that these 72 are actually present in the pineal, and Cecil Nail actually broke that down too, that you got 72 chakras in the pineal alone. And what most don't realize is a lot of this stuff has, is multi-layered. So we can talk about the chakra system, but 72 is a good number because, shoot, Saturn is 72 times the volume of Earth. Uh, 24 hours, three days, three times 24 comes up to 72, and all that is relevant. You know, um, I believe it's Tahuti who's associated with the uh, with the Croatia as well, you know. And so I just wanted to just to get some background info. So if anybody's wondering, I don't want to talk in shorthand. I want somebody to understand that these are energies present in your body and and there's nothing to fear except your mind. Like you said about God, he helps you find hidden treasures. It's not like he's going to tell you there's an X on the ground on the beach somewhere. The hidden treasures are actually in your mind. Absolutely. And it allows, you to access, it allows you to access that part of your mind and it brings it to the forefront, whereas before it was smothered and buried deep. And you probably you would have never thought it. about it until he lined it up for you. You're exactly right. Exactly. Like I told you, I was sitting up due to my job. I, I have a lot of time that I spend alone. I'm at heights. I'm usually alone, and nobody's around me for hours of the day. So I can I can hold up. I, I can yell if I wanted to. Nobody would hear me. So I got in the habit of just talking, just having a real conversation, almost like like we did when we were kids. <laughs> And you had a, you had an imaginary, and you had an imaginary friend, and you just had conversations, and you went back and forth, and it might feel a little silly at first, but I'll say this: I took it to the next level. I showed you the picture. I took some of my, uh, I took some of my statues to work, and just on the fluke, I dug in my backpack, and I said, "Oh, I got my skull," and it was smiling at me. And I said, "Ah, that's God," and so I set it up right to where I was at. We just. Literally, we talked for maybe two days straight, and I finally came to the conclusion, hey, man, time to put up and shut up. Uh, I'm willing to do X, Y, Z. I'll do this. I'll do that. I need you to do X, Y, Z. Give me some confirmation that it's on. Like I told you, uh, the same day I did it, I've been in the habit. Uh, once I started working with God, I got in the habit. I realized he was involved with pyromancy and fire. <clears throat> so I spent 20 minutes a day doing sigil work. And the beauty about sigil work is it bypasses the ego. You don't have to go through the ego to get to your subconscious. It's just a conversation between you and the subconscious. So I started doing my sigil work. Uh, I would burn the sigils after I get done. And that same day that I said, hey, God, time to put up a shut up. I'm going to do this. You're going to do that. Give me some confirmation of this song. Literally, I went home and uh, 
had a check in the mail for 529. 38 to be exact. I want to go down to the number because I'm going to play those numbers. But uh, I never get money in the mail. My money is direct deposit, you know. And, um, right. you know, you can, you can look at it on the fluke and say, oh, man, that money was put in the mail days ago. Well, actually, everything that we see transpiring right now took place in the astral. It took place in the astral possibly up to a year ago. <laughs> it has been in the works. You know, it it. it, it Oh, sorry about that. It, 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 uh, everything that we see transpiring down here, it trickles down. It trickles down from the spirit and the astral realm first. So you can say, oh, that was a fluke, man. That, that money got put in the mail days before you made this. No, uh, you are where you are because that's where you're supposed to be. This was in the works. God knew we were going to meet. Like I told you, I can even back up a little further and tell you that once I did start working with God, I realized, man, this is all my dreams have been telling me. Right. This is all my dreams have been telling me. So well, a lot of times we tend to look at things just from this mundane realm, but we've got to realize that everything happens according to a pace. I don't want to say it's already been dictated, but everything that happens in the flesh, it, it, it began in the spirit first. It began in the astral realm first. And so we find ourselves uh, – I saw a good – YouTube video that explained it. It was a sister named, which has a YouTube channel called uh, Lucid Living TV, and she kind of explained it the best that I ever heard in terms of, she was just saying that, hey, all this stuff starts, she, she gave a time frame of a year. She said everything down here is lagged at least a year, and it made sense to me because I've started working on the path and everything, once you get on that path and you're dedicated, like you said, you remove all those roadblocks, all that fear, you'll find that everything is already lined up for you. A check in the mail that got, matter of fact, the check, because I moved, the check had to be forwarded back to me. So I, I don't know how long the check set, wherever it set. But the point I'm making is uh, when I got on this path, it was right there at the right time, you know, and Shoot, it also applied it to, 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 to a lot of Christians, men that, that, that say, Jesus going to fix it. Won't he do it? Yes, he can. And it happens, it lines up for you because it's all based on your mind. And, and you access these energies, and a lot of times we just tend to focus this energy outside of ourselves instead of acknowledging where it's coming from. And that's about it, you know. I just wanted to say that just on the Goetia because I get a lot of people that's, that's, that, that hear the, the term demon, and even that word demon most should know by now, especially if you listen. Especially if you listen, you should know that demon is just the Greek word for genius. Uh, genius stems from the Arabic word for the jinn or genie, you know. And now the jinn, they're also considered demons, and they fall almost in the same category as uh, as Goetia. However, demon being the root word of genius actually lets you know exactly where it's coming from and what it does. But that's all I wanted to do, just give some, some brief info and background info on, on the 72 Boetia. Um, they're actually intimately connected to the Kalipov and to Palo Mayombe. A lot of people don't realize that either, that uh, you look up and you've got all these uh, 15th century uh, alchemists, John Dee and uh, uh, S.L. McGregor Mathers. You've got all these people who are supposedly experts on Goetia, but they essentially come from the Congo rights and Palo Mayombe, you know. So uh, 
I actually have a real good book. Oh, I can't think of the title right now, but I'll, I'll, I'll think of the title and I'll relay it, that shows that these same sigils from the 72 Boatia, they're a guy put forth a good theory that they're actually just uh, circuits and algorithms for energy, like, like, a, like a computer chip, like the, the zigzags on a computer chip. And he said that uh, Benjamin Franklin, who was a working alchemist, he worked with these same sigils, and he got the idea for electrical current through wires. And that just shows you how that connection can easily be made in terms of energy and making things happen with the Goetia or even uh, the Apollo deities or even the Gudun deities because all those sigils, uh, they basically just look like uh, connections on a, on a circuit board. And it's just, that's all it is. It's just uh, uh, energy. There's another really good book, uh, Sig- Sigilum, Sigilum Diabolus by S. Connolly. And in that book, man, he has great information on the Goetia. And actually what I'm going to do from that book, he suggests that you make uh, these tarot cards and you write the hand, write the sigil on each tarot card, and he has steps for how you use it in terms of an actual tarot, or you can just put them in a bag, and whenever you've got a problem you want to solve, you reach in the bag, put a sigil, and, you know, and you work with it that way. So and that's awesome. there's a lot of, uh, hey, I think I tagged you in that book in one of the groups, but it's near the end. And near the end, they have the 72 Goetia, and he has the description and all that. And actually what he suggests is that you take 30 minutes a day for 72 days. You work with each card as you draw the sigil on it, and you write down the attributes, and you stare at it for 30 minutes, and you tell yourself what it means to you, and you look at what the description is, and that gives you your divination. And um, once you do that for 72 days, once you do that for 72 days, uh, you'll find yourself, when it's time to pull a card and get an answer, you'll have a real good idea in terms of what that answer actually is. Because even though you're reaching into a bag or a pot and you're pulling out this one, or you might set out a spread of four, or you might set out, you know, whatever spread of cards you set out, you'll, have, you'll be familiar with those energies. But I'll say this, you definitely don't have to do it 30 minutes a day. Uh, but it is suggested, even with the tarot, it's suggested that uh, I think you're supposed to use your tarot cards every day for a year before you consider yourself adept enough to actually work with it. So, you know, there's something to be said, but if you've got faith in your mind and what you can do, I don't think it's going to take that long. I'm, I'm actually going to make my cards. I'm going to make them, and uh, I am going to sit down and work with them, but I'm going to do it in my own way, and, and I'm taking it from there because it was an excellent idea. It was an excellent idea in terms of how to access this information and, and get the answers that you might need in the moment or for the future or even tying the past into the present and then to the future. But it's uh, S. Connolly, and S. Connolly has some really good books on Goetia, and he uh, really good books. Uh, I don't know what his first name is. All his books are just S. period. Uh, Connolly, C-O-N-N-O-L-L-Y, and uh, I'll find, uh, I'll get the, all these books together that I just mentioned, and I'll post it. But, uh, hey, what's going on? We, we got Shannon, anybody else tapping in today? Uh, they will. I, I got a hold of Shannon earlier. He never got back with me. Uh, Jen messaged me, told me he'll be on uh, shortly. 
and Ella Shiva will be on shortly. She was at the panic lecture today. So she Yeah, I him too. He did go? Yeah, he told me he was going. Well, he said he might go. That's dope. Um, let me ask yeah. you this, man. Since you've been working with the Goetia, do you ever like okay, specifically Gop, you know, he's over what, sixty-six legions? Or the six I'm pretty sure it's sixty. He's got sixty um, legions. Um, do you ever feel as if they're walking with you ever? Oh, of course. Um, and, and I'll say this, I think that's just um, more advanced. I don't want anybody else that, that hasn't even attempted to work with uh, any other energy to jump in and, and expect to have my or yours experience. But, yes, I do. And I think it's because I treat them like initially – Okay, let me, let me back it up. I want to explain my, 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 uh, what I'm about to say. Originally, I evoked. I spoke to them as if they were something outside of me. I say them because right now I'm working with uh, God, Furfur, and Rom at the same time. And I got some other stuff going on too. But anyway, uh, I, initially, I evoked. I spoke to them like they were something outside of me. Once I got my confirmation, I switched everything up, and I turned to invoke because I said, now I'm about to become these energies. And so that was actually part of what I said was, you know, I am you. You are me. We are one. You work through me. I work through you. And that was part of what I just repeated to myself over and over in terms of letting it be known. We, we're done with anything external. I'm not talking to nothing outside of myself. I'm dealing with myself. And it's just an agreement that I'm making with myself. Might sound insane, but believe it or not, the word insane itself is actually kind of weird because in means to be within something, insane means to be within your right mind. So something, the, the, the thin line between insanity and genius is a hair's breadth. So for Sounds some, good it to might me. sound weird. <laughs> hey, you sound you like know, you're making you sense to me. Oh, absolutely. Hey. Absolutely. So, yeah, yeah, I, I do feel like, like, like it's a present, but again, once I got past what I considered the evoke stage where it was somebody I was actually talking to and hold these conversations with, it was like for me, I said, well, it's time to get down to work. No more evocation. Uh, it's, it's you and I. And then, like I said about the confirmation that I got, uh, I usually go, when I, when I have the time, I drive out to the water uh, right there on the marina. It's a real secluded area. Uh, I set up... Uh, little miniature altar a temple with some rocks and I light up me some incense. I put a rock and an incense at every uh I put a rock and an incense at every cardinal point and I you know, I do my thing. And uh I say about a week before I began working with God, I was in the middle of my of my ritual and, you know, getting it in and doing my affirmations. I burn my sigils right there and, you know, I get it in right there. Well I was in the middle of it uh, a crow did circles over my head and just, ah, ah, so I went with the flow, and while I was in the middle of my ritual, I, I called back, call, call. And it might sound, like, again, it might sound weird, but I said, hey, you know, because he circled right over me, he could have kept going, and I would have. That I don't sound weird, Michael. A God brings familiars, so that could have been now, familiar. Come on now. At the time, like I said, this was about a week before I started working with God. Furfur and Ron. Well, as I got to going into it, one thing I found out was that Rom 
initially appears to you in the form of a crow. Oh, that's dope. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. Cool. So uh, uh, once, once I started actually doing the work, and I'll be honest, initially I read it and it flew over my head. About two days later, I thought about it and said, wait a second. A crow already appeared to me and circled over my head three times. I was about, that's, why, that's why when we spoke, uh, we didn't speak, but we were texting earlier offline. I said, man, I already got my confirmation to work with these three. And so that's what I'm going to do. You know, and um, it was little stuff like that, little stuff like that. I, I actually told you about a dream I'd had about two weeks ago, and it was telling me, uh, I joke about it now a lot on Facebook, but in the dream, it was a zombie gene, Jesus, a zombie Jesus, and he was wreaking havoc. And <laughs> I found out I could control him. Yeah, I found out I control him. I moved my arm left like a mirror hits go right. I moved my arm right like a mirror hits. And so I said, I'm controlling this fool. And, and he really looked like a straight zombie, you know. And uh, it was two people next to me, and they were explaining to me, uh, yeah, you got to activate them with shit. And I was thinking, VC, shit? Yeah, shit. And then out of nowhere, I just said, well, what about bird shit? And they, they looked at each other and said, nah, nah, you can't activate him with bird shit. Now, I want to draw the relevance that this dream had for me because it was a lot of orange uh, the, 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 the the zombie Jesus had the little flaming orange part of his chest. He had orange lights blowing out of his mouth. At one point, he touched me, and these orange little lights came out of my mouth. And, you know, uh, by now, I'm kind of used to weird dreams. So I just filed it away, did a lot of, you know, thinking about it. I did some research on it. I, I didn't know thinking about it. Literally, like, two days later, you you, you posted, like, man, no more excuses. Uh, get with this goth energy. And I remember thinking to myself, I'm going to do it, man. I'm going to check it out. You know, Gene, Gene dropped it. I'm going to check it out. As soon as I read about God, one of his main colors is the color orange. And so, again, it was just more confirmation for me, man. And um, how I do it, it might not be how anybody else do it. Uh, definitely nothing scary. I mean, if you're scared of zombies, I guess that might be scary. But uh, at this point, I, I understand that in dreams, the scarier something is, the more urgent the message is, and that's just it. If it's if it's if it's scaring the shit out of you, it's actually just a very urgent message. Somebody's trying to get your attention desperately, and, and this image is because scary is actually power. That's why you got these deities like Kali with her tongue out, and you got all these deities that look so ugly, but that's actually uh, giving you an example of how powerful they are. You know, not yeah. to say that a unicorn or a fluffy little lady for us not going to be powerful for somebody else, but when you're dealing with these, these stock energies, generally how ugly they are is a sign of the power they possess, you know. And, 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 and to be honest, God is not a handsome motherfucker. Not at all. No. He's appeared in my dreams, and we've talked about it offline, and yeah. He definitely never comes as a peaceful person. <laughs> yeah. But, you yeah. know, uh, how I got, um, you know, I told you, and I think I messaged pretty much everybody in our group about, you know, that morning, the first morning that I started working with God, you know, I was driving to work in the morning. It was like 545 in the morning. And I had a sunrise come up and I'm on my way towards Clint. Next thing I know, I looked at my, we stopped at like a stoplight 
I looked at my phone and I got the GOP sigil in my phone. The screen was really bright. The pitch, like the sigil stuck in my eye. And then I was, we was driving. I was able to catch the sunlight into it really good. And it burned that image kind of into my sight. Kind of, you know what I'm saying? It wasn't exactly like I had the sigil inside the sun, but I did try my best to line it up. Either rate, both of those kind of just faded away slowly. And to me, in my perspective, that was as good as doing any kind of burning it, uh, putting it in the trash, burying it, letting the river take it. Because, you know, it was energy. It was charged by the sunlight. And yep. the sigil was there. It, you know, so for me, that worked for me great. And immediately after that, I had results. <laughs> I mean, like I said, that very night, I had one of those dreams. I ended up getting a hold of you and telling you about uh, Dark Side. No, Doomsday presented himself yeah. to me in a dream and we end up going back and forth it's been really really interesting working with god and i'm learning a lot about myself and it's got me more motivated to work with uh the rest of the 72 to find out different aspects because like i said to me it's yeah. just lining up different thought forms of yourself and once you have everything lined up and organized just like anything else when you have everything i mean chaos definitely is you know what we strive for but you can still organize chaos to an extent and utilize it to your advantage. At least I yep. am. Yep. Yep. I, I want to say this, too. You mentioned something, and a lot of people don't realize how powerful it is. When you're driving, your mind actually goes into alpha state, which is uh, daydream mode. Daydream is like, like you got like you get into the swimming pool and it's, it's kind of cold and you got one toe in and then you get a foot in. That's daydreaming. You're basically in the astral, and that's why you can drive and be thinking about a problem or what you're going to do or, you know, you got something that's occupying your conscious mind, and you'll look up, and you're in your driveway, cars parked, and you're like, I don't remember making no lefts, no rights. I don't even remember getting off the freeway. And that's because when you driving has become automatic for the human consciousness. Once you know how to drive, you don't have to pay attention to it. And so your mind actually kicks in a daydream mode. But I want to say this, and most don't realize it. Once you get in the habit of doing work while you're driving and you're in, and you're in that zone, it actually can get dangerous. Um, I was actually driving. <clears throat> I make it a habit. Whenever I drive, I get into the zone. Well, recently, I'll be honest, uh, man, I almost dropped into a trance speed on the freeway. I, I, I felt my head drop. I felt my head drop, and I started talking, and I was like, oh, shit. And so you got to be careful because you are in that, you are in that, like a meditative state. And if you, once you get adept at it, your mind is just going to say, oh, this is what we're doing now. And you're going to drop that before in. God? So, is that before you were working with God or after? I'm just curious. No, this was wild. This was wild. This, this just happened. And it was the yeah, first that's, time. And I'll be honest. That comes from working with God. I think that comes from working with God because I had the same experience. I drive two different vehicles every day, and uh, my work vehicle and my personal vehicle are two complete differences. The wiring, everything is completely different. And I was in my work vehicle and went to reach for something as if it was in my vehicle. I've been doing that a lot lately. Um, I was sitting in my work truck and thought of my refrigerator and reached up for it, and I was awake. And I wasn't high, <laughs> I wasn't drinking or nothing. My daydreaming, have been very, very vivid, and so have my night dreams. Everything's been very, very vivid, and I think that's one of the uh, things that happens 
you know, most impactful when you're working with a GOP. So look into that, Mike, because I kind of think that's why I asked if it's pre-GOP or after, because if it's after, I would lean towards it maybe, you know, some of the daydreaming stuff is just really coming to you really, really strong and heavy because of working with him. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. I agree. And I, I just say that because I've actually been doing it for about a few years now in terms of turning my drive into a meditative state. And that caught me by surprise because it was the first time it ever happened. And I was mumbling something. I don't know what the hell I was saying, but I was mumbling something. So that's the first time it ever came through that strong. And I have to remind myself because I've been working so diligently. Uh, I even made up mantras that I repeat. Uh, <clears throat> if you make up a mantra yourself, 45 is one of those magic numbers. I don't know how many beads are on a rosary bead. I think it's more than 45, but 45 is actually a magic number. I believe that uh, Tibetan monks, they repeat things 45 times. And uh, I've been in a happy where I've actually uh, said my mantra out loud in my car by myself while I'm driving for hours. And when I got to where I was going, I was in a zone. And, and, and like I said earlier, now that I'm, 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 I'm with the job I'm working now, since I'm so solitary, once I get to my station, I start calling out deities and I do our shades and I call energy down on myself. And it's amazing the things that have happened in that moment. You know, it's amazing. It really is. That's dope. That's dope. Well, uh, I think we've pretty much, <laughs> we done done a, our justice of going over uh, the Goetia. How about we jump into a little bit of the topic for this evening? It looks like we got Dreamwise on the line for us. He's in the chat room, but I can't oh, see you. What's up, what's brother? Up. Yeah, okay, he is watching. I can see him. He, uh, he's just not in the uh, queue here. But yeah. Oh, so. okay. Yeah. Uh, um, uh, so tonight's topic. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Mike. My bad. No, I just wanted to give a big shout out to Dreamwise. Mark Dreamwise, uh, uh, loveliftlife.com. Uh, he uh, he's a hard working occultist and metaphysician, and he offers tools that everybody can use. You know, I just want to give him a shout out and, and what he offers. And he's one of those ones. He's not just peddling to the people to uh, capitalize off of his consciousness. Uh, he's actually working. Uh, he has a YouTube channel. Uh, I believe it's Love Lift Life, and uh, that brother works hard. Brother works subscribe. hard. Subscribe, subscribe to his channel and stay updated. Exactly. Uh, and what I like about him, he's going to keep his videos under 15 minutes. You don't got to worry about it, you know, being three hours long. And he's going to be concise and to the point. And he, I'll be honest, one of his last episodes where he, where he was dealing with the uh, magician, he's doing uh, chapter readings of the magician. Man, he helped me with some trauma that I've been dealing with since I was six years old. And I, had to, tell, I had, to reach out tell, had to reach out and tell him, man, thank you, you know, because a lot of times, we don't, you know, we, we try to deal with these traumas, but you never realize what's buried so deep that you can't even dig it up yourself. It actually takes somebody else to, uh, you know, get that shovel in and dig up a little dirt for you. But I definitely want to shout him out. Hardworking man in, in this metaphys metaphysical uh, community, and he's one of the ones that walking like he's talking. I actually seen he has a, uh, these comedic statues. I want to get one. He has a set typing that uh, statue that I want to get, but definitely that, uh, just want yeah. to shout him out. 
subscribe to his YouTube, subscribe to his YouTube, uh, Down to Earth Brother, man. I mean, I, I, that's the only thing I can say. Yeah, I, I really appreciate it when he went through the magician. He did, he went in and opened up, and I think it's him and his queen together. They yeah. uh, they yeah. operate everything, and he he opened up like about some personal stuff. And I'm gonna tell exactly. you, go to his channel, check it out. The brother he's been supporting us forever, and I want that Anubis statue he's got. I saw that thing, and it's like nice. He's got, he's definitely got it going on. So we appreciate all the support we get from you, uh, Kamiri. Yeah, yeah. So tonight's now, like topic, say, we're going to uh, – go ahead. My bad, Mike. I ain't mean to interrupt you. No, no, no. no. I was segueing in what you about to say. Tonight's topic. Go ahead. Uh, tonight's topic, we're going to go in on uh, the movie, What Dreams May Come. Um, I would like to do something different tonight. I'd like to just give a moment for all of our ancestors. Um, I work with mine very heavy. And I think that, you know, not trying to rip from anything, anybody else, I'm not going to call them out. <clears throat> But I think because this movie is going to directly affect with death and go into some ancestor work, I'd like to just go out and give everybody, we're going to call it a minute. We're going to do a short 30 seconds, but just go for your ancestors. And if you're listening to this show at any point, make sure you take this time and, and think of those ancestors that have passed, because when we go through this, you may, it may resonate with you just a little bit differently. So we're going to go ahead and start and give it a nice 30 seconds. Uh, call out to your ancestors to yourself. And all those known and unknown. Ashe. Ashe. All right here. So uh, let's get into the movie breakdown of what dreams may come. This movie took place in 1998 starring Robin Williams, uh, Cuba Gooding Jr., and a slew of other people whose careers are kicking off. Uh, give me one moment here. Let's see who we got calling in. Who's this from the 908? Can you hear me? Ella Shaver. Hey. Hey, Jumped in right on time. Jumped in right on time. We're getting ready to, we just are doing the introduction right now of uh, what dreams may come. And we just kind of gave everybody the opportunity to take a half minute or so to uh, give honor to their ancestors. So we're going to touch a little bit on that tonight. Oh, okay. But I mean, you know, whenever you, what's that? Y'all can skip me. Y'all can skip me since I just came in. (laughs) <laughs> no problem. But uh, the movie pretty much goes through Robin Williams. He uh, he loses his children in the movie. Uh, he ends up dying in the movie himself and going through a unique journey. And it was one of, if not the one of the best metaphysical breakdowns that I'd ever seen on film. Even though the cinematography of the 90s was trash, the movie really, really put out really good information and i know it left a lot of people in the 90s completely confused my parents owned the movie and watched it and my mom cried her eyes out she probably helped out with late huron like levels rising because she cried so hard at that movie and never understood the real you know meaning behind the movie 
Yeah. You know what? Oh, go ahead. No, you go ahead, Mike. Go ahead. I, I wanted to deviate just for a quick second. Uh, uh, <clears throat> we, this movie touched so many people, and, and, and most watched it and didn't know why. And I, in, in doing my research recently, rewatching the movie and just researching the directors and the actors and all that, I was, I was surprised to find out that it was actually – based on a novel written in 1978. So that blew me away. And so once I digged into the author of the novel, lo and behold, it says that uh, he he called himself, uh, he was a self-proclaimed parapsychologist. So as soon as I saw that, I said, oh, he was walking walking this path. He was in the cultures. He was in the Theosophical Society. Uh, He said he was a metaphysician. And... He actually wrote a lot of, he wrote, I would say, maybe five books. He dealt mainly with uh, the horror genre. I tell you a movie everybody's seen and had no idea it was the same author, I Am Legend. Really? He wrote, he wrote that. Um, he wrote, remember the old school Twilight Zone movie series where uh, uh, William Shatner, Captain Kirk, was on a plane and he saw that gremlin tearing the plane up and nobody else saw the gremlin? He wrote, yeah. that's actually, they, they made it into a series on a Twilight Zone, but he wrote an entire book, 20,000 uh, Leagues in the Sky or something like that. But he wrote about five books, and it turns out that uh, he was a major influence on people like Stephen King and other, other authors in the horror genre. And it just, for me, it tied it in because even when Panic did his breakdown of the movie, he was like, well, whoever wrote this movie they had to have been an occultist because they put things in there that vividly and accurately displayed the astral realm and where you go in the afterlife. And I always felt the same. I mean, once I got on this path, I, I understood why I, I gravitated to that movie. And I'll be honest, uh, I'm almost brought to – I think this last time I watched it was, was probably the only time I didn't shed a tear, and not on uh, Weepy Willow or, you know, but just that it, it grabs you. And to find out that the author of the original novel was actually a metaphysician and he was about that work, it just made it make all the sense in the world. So to watch the movie, and I'll say this, just to get back to the movie itself, it was filmed in the Bay where I'm from, in Oakland, in San Francisco. And uh, it just was, it was a lot of uh, the vividness, the colors in the movie itself mm-hmm. kind of set the tone, even in the, even in the beginning, when he was reminiscing about the last day he saw his kids, if you remember that scene, there were purple leaves, all purple and green leaves, all on the ground. And he was just wondering, oh, yeah. like, man, you know. So that definitely made it into a chakra story, you know. And <clears throat> a lot of times we take, uh, uh, I forget what it's called in the movie, the the movie palettes. Uh, just as much, just as much. Detail, attention to detail goes into the movie palettes as it goes into selecting the actors and putting the actual movie together. And in the in his waking life, as well as when he went into when he passed away and he went to the astral, which is I want to say this too real quick: the astral is heaven. Most people don't realize this, but when you pass away, you don't go to the starry deck canopy and sit on clouds and and eat grapes with, uh, with, with Jehovah. You know, you go to the astral realm, the same place you go every night. And so 
that he did a very good job in the original novel, and the director did an incredible job of, of relaying that. He didn't tamper with that aspect of the novel, and I'm assuming that he painted a very vivid picture in the novel, you know, for it to be made a movie 20 years later, you know? And yeah, so, uh, definitely, definitely. you know, happens, the, yeah, yeah. I mean, and I just want to say this, and then I'll get off the mic. I know I say this every time we have an episode, but <laughs> what most what most don't what most don't realize is when we're talking about colors and chakra stories, most don't realize that we only see point zero four percent of the visible color spectrum. Point zero four. So that means that 99.96% of the light and color we could be seeing, we do not see in these flesh bags that we call bodies. And so a chakra story is, is incredible because I look at it and say, uh, earlier we were talking about the Goetia and demons versus angels, and this is good and that's bad, negative, positive polarity. But what most don't realize is what we call light is darkness. We only see 0.04%. Basically, we're looking down a straw and thinking that we see it all. So I just wanted to point that out mm-hmm. just in terms of so people can reexamine what, they, what you actually consider darkness. And I think that's why a good point I'm going to make real quick is the Bible. I'm, I, I lately, I made a decision I'm going to stuff the Bible down anybody's throat just because everybody's so anti and, and not seeing the bigger picture. But in the Bible it states, and you can go back to comedic text too, say the same, but it says that darkness came, uh, light came from the darkness. So that's so accurate when we're talking about these percentages of light that we can see that actually we're in the dark. The light, what we consider darkness is the light, you know. And so a lot of times people get it confused because we have been raised on these fairy tales as if they're historical fact and Jesus was a real person, Jonah was in the belly of a whale. But actually, no, these are allegories, and they're actually helping you to see these higher grades of life. And that's why when you have these dreams, you have a bomb dream or awesome meditation, you will see colors that you can't even describe. It was uh, goldish orange. It was... uh, blackish green. You can't even describe these colors because, to be honest, however long you've been on this planet, you you haven't even experienced that light, that color in your waking life. But that's all I wanted to say just in terms of people wrapping their mind around color and what we consider darkness and what we consider light because actually we're all around here blind, and that's why everybody, if you're on this path, you're actually just searching for further light. You just want more light. You know, you're walking around this dark room, and just because you're comfortable walking around and you know, oh, this is my TV, this is my couch, but actually you're walking around in a dark room, and you don't even see what's around you, which makes that the blackness of space, you got to realize that it's not black. Black just absorbs all colors. So uh, the night sky is probably lit up more than any rainbow we've ever seen, you know? Absolutely. My whole movie was a chakra story. Even in the very, very first scene when she's in the red boat, you know, I I watched the movie probably like three or four times. And I'm like, well, wait a second. Are they trying to tell me a chakra story or are they trying to ground me right now? Okay. So, like, I felt like to me the chakra story was really for, I think her name was Annie, his wife, because Mm -hmm. so many parts of the movie, she had such a strong color behind her. Like, 
at one point she was on the bed writing a note, I think like a suicide note and the pillows around her were a vibrant blue. When she was in the psychic ward and her hair was all cut and she was smoking a cigarette, it was nothing but green, you know? And then what they mm-hmm. were expressing, you know, it was like, well, wait, are they trying to like tell a chakra story or are they trying to get to the audience? Because like I said, the movie touched on so many different things. People who weren't even on this metaphysical thing at all, like at all, you know, cried and were really, really emotional. But the movie was definitely a chakra story. You just, after I watched it so many times, I kind of, kind of got to the point where I was like, well, damn. Are they trying to like, you know, like how they do uh, what they talk about in the fight movie, how they can split things in and try to like get people yeah. to feel yeah. different ways in movies and stuff. I kind of got torn between am I watching a chakra story or am I kind of getting pulled into like the whole thing to make people get emotional. But either way, it was an amazing <laughs> movie and it broke, it broke what, a lot what, of stuff. What most don't realize about movies is that we get caught up on the visual well, I won't even say the visual. We'll get tied into the story and the actors and actresses and the, the sound score. But what most don't realize is that just like uh, the old school saying from the Bugs Bunny co- uh, cartoons, you know, music uh, calms the savage beast. We know that music has an effect on us and it can tug at your heart. You know, you can, the score, you ride up and down on the roller coaster according to the movie score. But what mm-hmm. we fail to realize what we fail to realize the most is color is more effective than sound because sound is just color you can hear. Light is just color you can see, you know. And it, all of our senses actually revolve around light and color. Okay, our skin, our epidermis is essentially one huge eyeball. Most people don't know that. All you got to do is get your Gray's Anatomy and, and you look into it and you'll find out that your skin, the top layer of your skin is made of the same skin of your eyeball. So you're, you're, the Masonic saying of being in search of further life, it actually makes a lot more sense when you realize that all you're doing is trying to accumulate light and all the color spectrums. So when you watch these movies, on, on a very simple level, Maybe M. Night Shyamalan does it the best in terms of something you left and right with colors. But, again, that's what these colors are there for. That's why blue is vocal. Green is heartfelt. Red is passionate and anger. You know, yellow is actually associated with the sun and enlightenment and, and you know, childhood and, and youth and, and playing in the right. sun. So it, 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 it is a double-edged sword, but I, I, don't, I don't lean towards the program because, once you reach a certain point in, in this journey, you're actually above the programming. You know, you can, you can watch a, a, a tissue paper commercial with the bears and, and you can find something metaphysical. You know, you start to assign your own, you know. You, you right. Get, I watched it too many times, bro. I was breaking too much stuff down. I've seen it like four times. No, it, hey, Mike, it, hold on one second. Ajin, is that you? Ajin, is that you from the 718? Hello? Oh, okay. I, my bad, bro. I thought you was uh, our, one of our co-hosts, Ajin. I'm going to mute you out oh, for yeah. now, and I'll open up your line a little later. for. Uh, no, you got to mute me out. It's Brent Nut Nagashi, man. I'm just checking y'all out, man. Okay, cool, bro. We appreciate having you. All right. Man, so, I don't know Ajin how much consciousness me. I could take. 
today after coming back from panic and uh, panic's lecture, and now we're going straight into this. Like I'm just so like overcharged with energy right now. That's what's well, up. I felt well, you that got, when I left this lecture before. You you yeah. got you in the right place. You were in the right place to release all those energetic frustrations. Then. <laughs> Perfect. How was it, <laughs> dude? It was. I mean. I think if you've taken Panic's class and you followed him and, and paid attention, like a lot of the stuff sounds real familiar, but I think every time he tells a story, he adds a different little herb and spice to it each time, you know? Um, yeah. And there's yeah. nothing like seeing him in person. Um, and so and so that aspect of it was, was just very gratifying. For me, one thing I will say, this is my first lecture that I've ever gone to. Like, I've never seen Bobby, and I've never been to a lecture for Panic or, or anybody else who's sort of in that air, in that field um, or sphere. Um, at one point, I had to get up and leave the room, yo. It was so much. I was just sitting there, and he was just talking, and I was surrounded by all these people. There's probably about 50 of us in there, and he's just going. And then I just kind of felt, I felt myself just shifting. And I was like, I have to, I have to go. So I just kind of went into the hallway, and I told Khadija, I was like, Khadija, I don't know what's going on, but there's so much energy in there, like I can't even deal right now. And she was like, Is yeah. that your first yeah. lecture? And I'm like, Yeah. And she's like, Yeah. And, and then she explained, It's because we, it's so many people in there who are working on gaining light. To piggyback off of what you said, Mike, there were so many people in there, so many melanated individuals in that room trying to gain light via that information that they're all raising their vibrations. And hey, if you're sensitive to it or if it's your first time being exposed to it, it could be overwhelming. So, I mean, like, right, even right now, I still kind of feel like I just drank, like, 10 cups of coffee. You know what I mean? It's just, uh, yeah. So that in of itself was just an awesome experience. Yeah. Yeah, I left this lecture last year in May and came home and, like, jumped right into Santa Muerte real, real, real heavy. And I had already thought that I was heavy at first. And, yeah, when I left there, I had, like, an hour and a half drive home. And there was a lot, a lot, a lot of energy going. I, at one point during the lecture, I remember like I really got tired because I was like, man, we sitting there for like a long time. But by the end of it, like you said, I, I understand the 10 cups of coffee. Like I was amped. Me and Shannon talked, I think, half my way home. So then, you know, we was going back and forth on parts that we wanted to express on the show afterwards mm-hmm. and everything else. That was a really cool experience. Did you buy any of his products? Were you able to grab any, or were they all sold out? Man, when I tell you that line was ridiculous, because, like, I get it. You know what I mean? Everyone wants to buy stuff, because there's certain things that he only offers at the shows, um, and everything's 20 bucks, right? And so I think they're more expensive on the website. But I wasn't getting that line, yo. That line was ridiculous. I left, got something to eat, came back. That shit was still long. I was like, where (laughs) where do these people come from? So I got something from Khadija, because she uh, was selling chakra oils. So I got I got some from Khadija, um, and then that was kind of it. But that was that was I'm definitely I'm definitely like the next time they come through if they're anywhere nearby I'm going because I could see how that's what you come for you know what I mean you're doing your work on your own you're having your own experiences you go for the camaraderie and just to be around all these other gods who are working on their shit now that I could see yeah yeah did you get a picture with them. Yo, that line was long too. So I got a picture with Khadija, but like they had to be out of the, they had to be out the room by nine o'clock. And so the panic right. was just going until like eight fifty something and they had to get out. And so I had to get back in time for the show. So I was like, Hey, I gotta go. I'll, I'll just miss it. 
but I got my picture with Khadija because that's who I really want to see because they both definitely were very impactful to my past, but for Khadija, it, it was a kind of in a special way, so I wanted to make sure I got that picture. Oh, that's cool. Did you take Khadija's class? Yeah, hell yeah. I had a reading with her. That's what's up. Yeah, that's yeah. what's up. Yeah, yeah. Like last year was such a just a transformational year for me because it was, I I had Panis class. Well, I had Khadija's reading first, then Panis class, and then Khadija's reading. I mean Khadija's class right after that. Bruh, just oh, that's, that's transformational. Yeah. yeah. That's what's up. Yeah. So so I'm a, I feel like I'm gonna be a little bit quieter than I expected to be tonight because I'm still just coasting off of that shit. So when something come up, like if I got something to say, I'm gonna jump in and share it. But right now I'm just kind of vibing off of like y'all's energy and then that shit because I just left there. I, I was only thirty minutes away. That's oh, okay. Okay. You'd have a long drive. Did you <laughs> see I Jin in there by any chance? Mm. He was there. I don't know. I thought he might. I had told him, and he said he, he might have gone. I don't know. I, I don't think so. He might have been, because there was some, it was some New York heads in there that Panic kept on shouting out and was talking to, you know what I mean? Uh, and they were, like, up in front. I mean, folk, bro, people were coming. It was New York people in there. Of course, some Jersey folks. Um, somebody who was in Khadija's class with me, uh, Fashad, he should be listening. He was, he was there. I sat next to him. Some Philly heads. It was some cat from Miami. Folks from Delaware. I mean, people drove hours to 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 see to That's see it. So, and, and there was a lot of young people in there, which I thought was really awesome. That's dope. That's cool. Yeah, and you always get something different at the uh, lecture. I was listening. I haven't even finished the uh, Detroit lecture because I haven't mm-hmm. had that much time. But I got like halfway through it already, and even after sitting in it, I'm picking up different stuff. It's definitely different having him there because I think he vibes off the energy of the people in the room and then kind of knows exactly. what direction to go to. So it, he definitely does his thing. It was really cool see, uh, when I went, for sure. And, you know, me and Panic, <laughs> I left the lasting impression for sure. <laughs> so I'm pretty sure he'll remember <laughs> me when I talk to yeah. him, for sure. Um, yeah, Mike. No, he remembered me from the class, too, so that was cool. Oh, did he? Yeah, yeah. He says at the lectures, if you ever want to get to him, like, you know, if you ever take his class, just tell him what lecture you are, you were in. And usually he'll remember the face and then be able to go off of that. Mm-hmm. You there, Mike? Yeah, I'm right here. You were talking about uh, chakras, a chakra story in the movie. Do you remember where you left off by any chance? Yeah, yeah. I, well, I, I segue from the chakra story in the movie to uh, after he actually died, and you know, uh, I'm a, I'm a skip the part where where he realized he was in that he was dead, and the Cuba Gooden Jr. was getting him acclimated to you know being in the afterlife. But what, well, wait, wait. Well, I just really quick want to cut in real quick well, during that part where he ran through that tunnel, right? Because that's right after he died, and like. Do you remember when he was talking to his wife and, like, he got and grabbed her hand and uh, was like, this is, I forgot his name. But, like, every time he got next to her, it, like, drove her nuts. You, mm-hmm. you call any of that? Man. I, I, I say this. What, what I saw was prior to that point when he was at the doctor's office and he w- was with a client, a little girl, and he was 
helping her out with her symptoms, and his wife called him. She was having a meltdown. Mm-hmm. The role, the role most men play and fail at, I'll be honest, is we're actually here to, in a relationship, you're there to take the stress off of the woman. And most don't realize that, you you know, we live in an age where it's real uh, uh, paternal, uh, not paternal, it's male-based. But mm-hmm. the thing about it is, the thing about it, what most people don't realize is the same word for matter is is mother, mother in English. The Greek mm-hmm. word matter means mother. Women are the matter. In order for anybody to get here, a woman had to be here first. So a lot of people make digs and knocks about, especially black women being crazy, but you would be crazy too if you've been here for 13 billion years bringing trapped souls into this motherfucker. And what I noticed was when she called him and she was having Ooh. her meltdown, I can't do it. She was like, I can't do it. I, I just, and I'm having this problem. And the, they took these paintings and he, his love and passion for art, he transferred over to his wife. He put his patient on hold. He helped her out. But if you realize, if you watch that scene, he was having a meltdown his motherfucking self. He had to do his little, he had a little technique he did to calm himself down. But he filled his role and said, I'm going to put mine to the side and I'm going to ease her stress level. Because at that point, he was truly existing for the love of his life. Even though he loved his children, he loved his children. But the mere fact that when he went to the astral, he didn't recognize them let you know that he was really, it was more about his twin flame. And so I thought that was a, a powerful moment that I caught in their dynamic because when her children died, and I say this too, if you look at the lines where she was talking to him and where she was talking about the kids and how she dealt with him and the kids, she did a good job of, well, not a good, but she was doing her best to portray a black woman. She was stern with him when she had to be. She was stern about the kids. When he was going, she was basically a hard ass. But when he was a hard ass, man, she shut him down. No, bullshit. You, you forcing him to be like you. Matter of fact, he feels like he has to be better than you, and that's bullshit. And so that was the dynamic that I peaked in terms of their relationship, that it was truly a give and go of negative and positive energy. And I'm not saying negative in terms of bad or crazy, but just in terms of it was a great example of the energies that we represent in polarity, the male energy yeah. being positive and that it gives, the phallus, the obelisk, mm-hmm. the woman having mm-hmm. the vagina being a receiver, which makes it mm-hmm. negative because it feels. So I thought I, I, I definitely caught that. And, uh, yeah, I definitely caught that part. See, for me, it was a real familiar feeling when he floated down in front of the house, like right when he ran after through the tunnel. And when he saw yeah. uh, Doc in that like faded kind of blurriness, mm-hmm. man, that was so familiar to me. Like, I'm like, I go there every night. And I'm not exactly there, but how they were saying, I understood it. And I've lost, yeah. I lost my mother 10 years ago and I've lost other people who were really close to me. Um, when he touched her, I don't know why, but that resonated with me pretty heavy, especially in the beginning. You know, when the spirit yeah. could still be here before they transition. Because, I mean, I think yeah. anybody in that moment, especially after losing somebody, can almost have gone through the same thing she's gone through, almost exactly. You know, she was at the graveyard. And he was like, yo, I'm right here, I'm right here. And it drove her nuts because the energy probably was just too much. It was a really exactly. different perspective for me to see that because I was like, man, 
look, I could have even felt that on the number of occasions where the rush was so, so much. And that could have just been them right there next to me. Like, hey, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's going to be straight. And then for me, that also it, tied into like how he didn't recognize his kids at first. But I've had dreams before all the time where there's somebody next to me and it looked like them for one second. That energy that I feel is still there. They can look like somebody yeah. else in another moment and it's still my mom. It's still, you know, my uncle. I'm still, you know what I'm saying? It's still that familiar feeling. So when yeah. I, I'm pretty much saying when I watched the movie, for me, it was a lot of familiarness, a, a lot of it. Like, if there's no way the guy could not have been an occultist. Yeah, no way. I'll say this, too. At that scene, especially when he was touching her hand, he was saying, I'm right here, and she was just, she couldn't handle that energy. At that point, she could barely cope. Before he passed, she could barely cope with the passing of her kids. When she lost him, her rock, the person that kept her grounded, in terms of negative energy, she was already beginning to drown in her own personal hell. It, it, it had already started, and she, had, she hadn't even made the decision to, to commit suicide yet. She was already drowning. And, and when that happened, she, just, she was just coming up for gulps of air. And so at that point, energy being energy, uh, the only thing that's going to separate it from being positive or negative energy is going to be your mind. And if you're drowning in your own personal hell already, all you're going to see is the same color everywhere, black, gray. You're not going to see any, any beautiful colors. You're not going to have the wherewithal to sit back and say, oh, that's my, that's my husband right there. That's my brother. Oh, man, I feel great. No, you just, you just feel their presence, and it's just weighing down on you. But I wanted to say that to say the one thing that movie stressed was that you create your own heaven or hell. For him, even though he passed away suddenly, his love for life, his love for his wife, he went to a great place. You know, he just had to learn to master it. Now, for her, she found herself in her own personal hell. And most don't realize is that we're creating heaven and hell right here, right now. Mm-hmm. And you have to give it some thought in terms of how you view this life because it's going to affect the next life. And what most people don't realize is that, is that in most mythologies, the underworld or hell, if you, if you tie it into these movies, esoteric anatomy, it's always going to be your bowels, the lower three, the lower two chakras. And I used to wonder, because I grew up real heavy and, and I grew up a chosen witness, so I used to always wonder, like, it's unfair that only 144,000 get to go to heaven. But I was watching a, a YouTube lecture Dr. Lean Bay did, and he went in. The fact that in your, in your coccyx, right there in your sacral vertebrae, you have 72,000 of these crystalline particles. And you can raise these particles up your spine. The only thing you got to do is you can have sex, but you can't ejaculate. For a woman, she would have to keep her ovum, you know. And there's ways to do it. There's techniques. But the bottom line is you have these 72,000 crystalline particles in your sacral vertebrae. Sacral is means sacred. Sacred means secret. You raise those up your spine because every 24 hours you get a fresh dose of semen and ovum in the male and female body. Every 72 hours, we were just talking about the Goetia and these numbers, 24, 72. Every 72 hours, you can raise that ovum, those crystalline particles, you raise them up to your brain. Now, 
in your brain, surrounding the pineal gland, you have another 72,000 crystal-like particles. When 72,000 meets 72,000, what do you have in, in, in your brain, which is heaven is, you have 144,000 that make it to heaven. And so a lot of people miss these messages when they take these mythologies and these Bible stories literally, you know. And it's just amazing to me when we realize that heaven and hell does exist in the mind and you actually have to cultivate these, these positive thoughts. And that's why you practice astral travel, not to go in and, and just have fun. Everybody's going to do that at first. Once you, once you achieve it, you're going to have fun. But when you get down to work, it's going to be about building worlds, building worlds. Because if you don't build worlds to go to, you float around the astral like a, the best I can say is an a NPC. You know, you're one of those characters that you can walk up to in Grand Theft Auto and sock them in the head. They say, ow, and keep walking, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And, and just to see that she so thoroughly created her own hell. She thoroughly created her own hell while he created his own heaven. And, and that, that, that mirrors like the Necronomicon almost, the story, or, or I will, I'll say the peace of Sophia and the Necronomicon in that the father's in heaven and the fallen daughter's down on earth and she's lost. And, and that's the whole mission that Nir Lahotep has is he's searching for the fallen daughter. And that's what she was. She fell, she fell to her own personal hell. And it just was amazing to me. I think that's something that most people miss is that you create your own heaven and hell right now. The purpose of religion, uh, the control factor, because religion means uh, to bind like a chain. So in one aspect, a chain can be seen to hold you down, to tie you up, but also a chain has links. And so you got to take that religious programming, whether you went to church or not, everybody knows the story about Jonah, all that shit. You take that chain and you make it a link or a stairway to heaven. You know, you don't let none of this tie you down where you actually find yourself caught up in your own personal hell right now. That's the best I can say about that aspect of the movie, you know. And it, that I, I could talk about this movie forever, but I just wanted to say that real quick. You go ahead. Nobody's stopping you. I'm okay. enjoying everything okay. you're saying. Well, well, the next thing I want to dive into is his son, Cuba Gooden Jr. We touched on a little bit. He didn't even realize it was his son. And the main reason he didn't realize it was his son because of his preoccupation with his wife, you know. And he had his own personal bubble. He could have been very happy right there where he was, but he was concerned about his wife. But I thought it was real interesting. In I the got movie. a question, though. I, my, did, do you really think it was solely because of his preoccupation with his wife? Because I feel like he also had some shit that he had to deal with in terms of his son. Um, You're right. In terms of when yep. he was pushing, when he was trying to push him in a certain direction, and I guess kind of the, the kind of thing that some fathers do in this life where they try to push their sons into becoming more like them. He wasn't seeing that the boy was who he was um, and, and yep. Yeah. would never be him, right, because apparently he was a really smart, uh, Robin Williams' character was really smart and was a doctor, and, and his son wasn't on that same, you know, that same level of talent, um, but was still trying mm-hmm. to live up to that. Um, and so, yeah. I don't know, part of me kind of feels like there is a certain level of guilt or something there. I think it's both. He wasn't ready to kind of face what he had done because you lost your kids before you were able to really heal that because you could see the tension at that table when they were eating breakfast. 
when uh when the, the daughter and the mom and the son were there, everything was kind of all smiles. And then when Robin Williams' character comes in, you can see the son's face just kind of changes. Like I got to be more serious yeah. now. So I feel like that was part of it. And then to kind of piggyback off of that too, um, with the mom, I kind of feel like it's interesting. If we if we if we look at this whole aspect of that, we choose this life that we live. We choose the the challenges that we're going to experience and that we're going to go through. Then. Before it's almost like she took she bit off more than she can chew. You know what I mean? Because um, the beginning of the movie, we see how they kind of find each other. You can kind of tell that it's a soulmate situation. The way they the way they linked up, the way the movie began, the way the movie ended, and then you see um, right before the, they leave to go to school or whatever, and they had the nanny, I guess, was going to do the carpool or whatever it was, and the daughter said, "Mom, I really want you to take me so that I don't have to stay for." whatever that son's name, you know, I don't want to have to stay for his, for his game. And the mom, stood, she, she stood firm and was like, no, no, I'm not going to go. I got to go do such and such. It set up the dynamic for her to feel guilty right there, right when she did that. And you know, at some point she was going to remember that shit and it was going to eat her up. And so that just added to why she ended up in the, in the psych war anyway, because of the guilt, right? And when you're feeling a lot of guilt, guilt is a very low vibrational energy, right? And so if you're vibing low, you're inviting low entities around you as well. So who's to say when she was experiencing Robin Williams, you know, around her, I, I wonder how she was experiencing that. Was she experiencing that from a very low place? I mean, I think that's kind of what you were saying, Mike. No, no, I, I agree with you, especially about the father and son, because that also points out that just because you leave this physical realm, you still have to deal with traumas wherever you go. And, and I agree with you. I didn't look at it like that, but you're absolutely correct that he had traumas he had to deal with in terms of his son and his daughter because his mm-hmm. daughter chose the avatar she chose because she said that her father smiled so brightly mm-hmm. at this airline attendant that looked just like that. So she even the daughter was striving. What's that? She always wanted his attention. Exactly. Yeah, and so so she felt like the best way for her to get his attention would be to look like that. So you're right. It was other trauma that had to be dealt with, and the mere fact that his kids had been in the astral for that amount of time, and we know that time progresses differently in the astral, they had a better understanding of their father's traumas, whereas he didn't, you know. And the son and, knew, to, um, to, to, the son knew to, to be the guy to stop because he knew that his father respected that doctor so much. You know, he wouldn't have took yep, advice from somebody else. Yep. 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 I I agree. I agree. So it's it's like it's all these different emotions that it just lets us know that we have to constantly try to get to the root of our emotions and to the root of whatever trauma we've experienced so that that shit can come up and be processed so that we can be free of it, right? Um, and and he died so suddenly he didn't get a chance to do that. So that shit was still kind of, yeah. that, that was an energy that was still stuck in its org field. And, and, and the bottom line is, what we come back to do is work. You know, even mm-hmm. though it, might, it may sound harsh, his kids came back to be in his life and to have that tragic death. You know, uh, but yeah. it's, it's hard to wrap your mind, it's hard to wrap your mind around that, but that's essentially what it was, you know, and... Um, we just tend to view it through that 0.04% of light that we see and from a very human perspective and say, oh, the people, oh, they didn't get to live a full life. But, but actually, 
uh, I'm, I'm convinced that you come back and you place these hurdles in your way to help not only yourself but also others because if, if you believe in reincarnation, that means that you not only chose your name, you not only chose your parents, you chose all these options. And, and the, yeah. best, the, best line, the best line from another movie for me would be The Matrix when uh, Oracle was talking to Neo. I think it was the second or third one. And Neo was said, telling her that, you know, I'm starting to have these premonitions, you know. I don't understand it. And then the, and the Oracle told him, well, see, that's the thing. <laughs> we make all these choices before we come down here. And she said, it's yep. the ones we can't see beyond. It's the choices that we made that we can't see beyond. Those are the ones that give us the most problems. And, and that's what we find when you got a mate that you just can't leave them, but it's like, oh, God, it's driving crazy. You chose to be drove crazy until you could figure it out. And a lot of times we allow these things to drag us down and we find ourselves living in the personal hell here, and another one wants to leave, you know. And so that's that's the real work. The real work is to come here and, and experience these things that we label as traumas. But to be honest, uh, if you knew everything that you chose before you came here, you'd probably uh, run around naked every day and, and giggle at everything that happened to you, you know. None of it would faze you. You'd just be laughing at everything like, oh, man, I got this under control. But... There's a point of birth that obviously is so traumatic that very few people can say, I remember being born. I don't even remember my first two years. Most people go through these phases where they say, I have, my earliest memory is kindergarten. You know? It's funny because you said, you said not only do we choose our names, but we also choose our parents. And we choose our birth date, or you know what I'm saying, so we can come through a certain gateway and have certain energies imprint upon us. But my first child chose her name, and this is a crazy story. I'm gonna, set, I'm gonna tell it real quick. When I was pregnant with her, and my husband was in the military, and so we were separated, and we were talking on the phone, and we we're trying to figure out what name we wanted to give our child, and and we came up with all kinds of stupid shit. And then I went to sleep, and I'm in that sort of uh, early stage of sleep where you're falling asleep, but you're not in the deep sleep yet. I forgot what what phase that is. Um, and I just heard the name Kailea, loud as hell, just Kailea. And I was like, and I just jumped up, looked around, like, who the fuck, you know, who said that? Um, but then I realized I liked the name. And so I, I wrote it down, you know what I mean? And that's my daughter's name. And I always tell her she named herself. So obviously there's something about the frequency of those letters and the numerology of that name that she wanted to be born into this, into this world with. So when you said that, I just thought about that. That's dope. I think Mike just got booted out. It does that sometimes. Hello. He'll jump. You there? Hello? Yeah, I'm here. Yeah, I think Mike just got kicked out, but he'll jump right back in shortly. It does that to him every now and again. Or any of us. It The system can just do that, but he'll jump right back in shortly. Okay. All right. Well, shit, let me see if there was something I wanted to say. Mm-hmm. I I, I'm looking at my notes. Yeah, I made some too, but it looks like we kind of went over everything. I thought it was uh well, I had to get Mike back on because I know we talked about that offline too. About but but he, uh... but what I wanted to mention, the, like right off the bat with the movie, one of the first things I saw because you guys are saying that the guy who was a director was a a meta a metaphys metaphysician. Um, yeah. The symbolism was just crazy, especially in the beginning, because when you first see them get together. Right, Robin Williams, you know, with his 
horrible toupee it looked like he was laying down in this what kind of boat was that i don't know it was kind of like a rowboat yeah like a rowboat or something but like the the way you're you're coming down from a perspective where you're looking down at him and what he's in is a vesica pisces right that's how I saw oh, it. Like wow. he was in this mandorla. Yeah. And I was like, okay, that's a mandorla. That's a Vesica Pisces. What's that about? And so it's almost like, I don't know what that was trying to communicate because he was already grown, you know what I mean? Or, you know, 25, whatever years old. Um, so I thought that was interesting. Like, are they saying that's that he's being born right in that more? Yeah. Yeah. I, I kind of took that too because when she was on that sailboat and run into him, everything was red. And then when they were on the hill, she threw the red blanket down. I'm like, okay, so this is the root. This is the beginning of them right here. Because I noticed that too from that like bird's eye view. He was on the water. And I'm like, well, mm-hmm. what would the water symbolize? Like, well, that wouldn't be like the waters of none or could. Well, no. So then I battled with that for a little bit. But then I thought to myself, well, no, this is just the beginning of their relationship. Since they're soulmates and since that's what the movie's pushing, it to me would make sense that not that they would share the same chakra but the chakra story would begin with them two right there. And then from there, it kind of took off. At least that was my perspective from it. And they were both wearing white. She was wearing all white, except for that, that red sash, and he was wearing all white. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, he sure was. Yeah, yeah. what's the white symbolize? <laughs> the white symbolizes the uh, purity, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so to, that's and that's kind of odd because they weren't—they're not children. They were grown. They were grown adults. You know what I mean? So what is this? And and it, how do we know they were virgins? You know what I mean? If white's going to represent purity, how do we know that they were virgins? So I'm trying to trying to think what the hell that might have symbolized. I don't know. For me, I think it was just pretty much their beginning. They're like, they're maybe the author or whoever was making the movie wanted to tell the chakra story in that kind of manner. So it was like their beginning because in the end it did show him as kids and i don't remember what they were wearing as kids but it did show like kind of to me like this is something a cycle that they go mm-hmm. through so maybe that was like this is the beginning of their cycle now and then in the end yeah. of the movie it showed that as children you know this is where their cycle started there because like wasn't it towards the movie where like they made another agreement to go back down and yeah, kinda, you know, do this all over again. So that's kind of how I took it, but I had to watch it a few times before mm-hmm. I grasped that, you know, kind of idea. Because, you know, like I said, it was really for me the color stuck out so much. And in that beginning, you know, I was like, well, wait a second. Like, like you said, they're not kids. The red is like very, very, very like prominent. I bet you this is mm-hmm. like kind of their beginning and kind of going from there. I'm going to open up the line here and see if we have, we're going to wait for Michael or anybody else to come in. But let's see if uh, Dreamwise got anything. You there, Kamiri? Hello? Dreamwise? I'm going to have his microphone on. What's good? What's good? What's good, family? Hey, what's happening, brother? How you doing? What's up? Man, shit, just got through changing some diapers. You know how that go. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Those days are far behind me. <laughs> I don't miss them, but definitely it's an important part. Yeah, my little daughter and stuff, you know how it is. Man, y'all, y'all uh, bring some light. I brought some light real quick. 
Um, what what's up? What y'all wanted to go on? Man, any part of the movie? Because I know you had the VHS. I seen that you posted that a while back. Uh, is there anything you wanted to drop on the movie? I know you do a lot of dream work as well. So I, I think you and me had talked over the message. I really wanted uh, just a small portion of your perspective as well, because you and I have kind of talked in the past, and I know you deal a lot with the dream stuff as well. Yeah, I put the movie on my altar for just basically the, you know, the simple fact of that's what it is. We go to this astral world, and that's where our ancestors are in this astral in this other uh, level of existence, you would say. But at the end of the day, you know, they live within us, within our DNA, which is an astral as above, so below. So that's probably the best explanation I could say why I put the that VHS on my altar. Powerful, powerful movie. Um, I want to shout y'all out for just giving so much insight into it. I mean, it's nothing you can really decode. The movie just explained itself basically about emotions and, you know what I'm saying, you got to get over these emotions to, uh, even in the astral, you're still in this space, you know, realm or whatever we want to call it. So, uh, you know, you got to get over these emotions deal with your chakras and um, basically just know that you are above all of this. You know what I'm saying? Because at the end of the day, when we really break it down, he had to deal with the emotions of his children, the emotions of his wife, but we really want to get technical about this thing. Just like Bobby used to say and all of that, when you die, really don't have these emotions with, you know, this earthly existence. So it gets kind of deep. It gets kind of hard because I know we feel so much, um, you know, so much power and energy with our family members and all of that. But when we really get to it, we got to get over all of that, which is going to take us to that other level, which is our true self, our higher self, our soul. So, I appreciate it, brother. Appreciate any insight you had on the movie. Like I said, I know that uh, you've worked and, you know, you've actually seen the movie a handful of times. and. You've been showing us love ever since we made the first couple posts. I think you told me a month ago, why so early? We was trying to get as many people on here as possible, and it worked out for us pretty good. So I think I think we found ourselves a, a decent uh, method to try to promote the uh, shows and everything else. And so I appreciate you having or having the time to join us. And uh, I'll open your line up a little later on. And if you have any questions or anything, man, feel free or type them in at any moment. And, you know, I'll jump on and try to get them answered for you. No, nah, yeah, and I love the movie. Um, the movie is just a powerful movie, just explaining where we go when we transition and just the understanding of the mind is all and 
when we die, we live inside our minds and all of that. So it was powerful and just to see the emotions with him and his wife and that understanding of basically if you don't get past these emotions, you're still stuck in this fake reality world, you know what I mean, which is hard to get over, but at the end of the day, that's Wrap a towel around you. That, no, that's what they said in the movie. He said, "Thought is real, and the physical is the real illusion." So you know what I'm saying? Now, that makes all the sense. I, I get that all the way. Hello, that's yeah. really what it is. Yeah, that's Hello, what can it you is. hear me? Yeah, we can hear you, Mike. Yeah. Okay, Kamari, yeah, oh. what's going on, family? Man, chilling, man, chilling on here. <laughs> Okay. I, 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 I've been I've been waiting to do this for a minute. I want to hit you with your with your line. What up? What up, my people? <laughs> That's dope. <laughs> trying to get my hey. I can, man. Yeah, yeah. Hey, I, be, I I just wanted to say when we talked, what you guys just said about the movie about when when uh, Cuba Gooding Jr. was trying to get him to understand where he was, and he asked him the question, "Well, what made you you?" And he said, well, my brain, my mind. He was like, you know, that's all you were, you know? And so and he made a real good point of pointing out that thought is energy. You know, you create all this with your thoughts. You know, you're more than just a body. And you're actually more than just a mind. But for me, it tied into the book, The Cabalion. Because The Cabalion starts off with the all is mind and the universe is You know? So I, I thought that was, uh, I, it was just, it was just so many uh, good Jews in that movie. Another thing I want to talk about, uh, I got, we got a nice little panel, was the subject of race. You know, his son, who was European, chose to come back, chose to present himself as uh, a, a melanated person. And his mentor, yeah. who was melanated, he chose to present himself as a white person. And so I know that this is something that a lot of people... And I hate to use the word conscious community because it doesn't exist. But it does exist for those who are on that level. A lot of people are still caught up on color and race. And I always say that race itself, only, it, that only matters down here. You know, once you leave the astral, it's going to be about energy and, of course, melanin. But I say this as the best example I can always say about race is if you ever watch one of those, uh, the, the, the dash, If you ever watch one of those, like, uh, the, the, the little, uh, where they pass the baton, well, if you watch that, you notice that everybody starts off kind of staggered, and that's the race, you know. Some people are going to find themselves uh, at the front of the line, others in the back, but it's still a fair race, you know. And so the thing about it is, uh, in my opinion, the only thing that determines where you start off in the race is melanin. Everybody has it. Everybody, you wouldn't be alive if you didn't have it. But the thing that I, I, I appreciated the most was that it just showed the fluidity of it all. Now, uh, I believe it was Panic that did a real good lecture on it that said, hey, you know, black people can choose to reincarnate in whatever body they want. Other races don't have that option. And I'm inclined to agree. But I still say that race is actually just a construct of this matrix, and it's something that people are so caught up on that um, – it's a stumbling block. <laughs> that uh, race is just as much a stumbling block as as uh, as Jesus is for most. 
it's, it's, it's a huge stumbling block. But I think that movie dealt masterfully with it, not in so much showing that anybody can come back as whoever, but they were in the astral. And I don't know uh, about others, but I've, ha- I've been in the astral. I've had dreams where I was a female, uh, mm-hmm. different races. Um, yeah, I, I've, I've experienced it all in terms of that aspect. But I know that there uh, it's based on thought. And and not just thought, but what you got, to, what what you what you have to accomplish, you know. Yeah, so, I mean, I think it's kind of like you you playing a video game, right? And it's like mm-hmm. you got to pick a player. Who are you gonna be? You gonna be Zangief, or you gonna be E Honda? Mm-hmm. And you just decide whoever you want to be, um, for the purposes of the game. You know, Dalsim got certain got certain skills that Balrog ain't got. I don't know why I'm talking about Street Fighter, but depending on what you're trying to experience in the game, in those you know, in those three bouts you choose Chun-Li or whatever. You know what I mean? And so, like, I feel like mm-hmm. that's kind of like the same thing we do down here. What kind of experience am I trying to have? And then I was just talking to Khadija about that when I was actually at the, at the lecture. We were talking about race, and I forgot exactly what she said, but I remembered something that I had said previously. And I said, you know what, Khadija, you helped me to realize something. It's about access because everybody got melanin. They just have different levels of it, right? And so everyone has access. It's just that everybody ain't got the same access. And that's just, and that's what we're working with. So you just come down here based off of what access you have, and you learn what it is that you came down here to learn. Yeah. Ready Player yeah. One. Yeah. Ready yeah, Player One. Boom. There you go. Built yep. for real. Yep. And, and, and I constantly, lately, lately I've been on a kick on, on Facebook about reincarnation, and I've just been trying to drill it into people's heads because a lot of people... I just a lot of the questions that you see being asked or that I get asked is that uh, you know this this is the avatar you know this is this is mm-hmm. actually this is the the uh, the the character from Grand Theft Auto or Street Fighter right here and and you chose to come back and and put on this skin and and do whatever mm-hmm. you got to get done but uh, reincarnation is real. And and, I, and you can say this to somebody who even do, who someone who doesn't even believe in reincarnation. It's always amazing when you see a child be born and they under a year old and they do something or look a certain way. And and I've heard I have relatives, you know, older relatives who are diehard Christian, you know, uh, that get that every time they I put it this way, every time I see them face to face, they bring up one of my faces. Now why why would you post that demon now, Michael? You know you don't play with them. I got them kind of relatives, right? But those uh-huh. same ones, those same ones, they'll look at a baby two years old that will say or do something and say, oh, he got an old soul. Yeah. That, that, right. That's uncle so-and-so right there. So on some level, we all accept it, but we get caught up, like, in the details. Like, I, I made a post about reincarnation, and somebody said, well, I was told I've always been a male. I've never came back as a female. So I don't believe that. We change genders. We always come, and so, and so I'm, I'm just saying that to say that even in that much, the contradictions exist to balance everything out. Hey, if you think you've been a male every time you reincarnated, that's what you came here to do. It's not a point to debate. It's for you that's to know. True. Yeah. It's for you to know. You know, if you've never, you know, if you say, hey, man, I didn't come here to experience the opposite polarity. I've been a male for the last 600 years or whatever, more power to you, you know. Share share what light you gain from that. 
don't make it an argument point where you want to debate a post because uh, it has to be the only reason why we're in this social experiment is to share our homework. Now, if your homework is written in the secret code you got off a Cracker Jack box, it's not going to help me. I can't translate sure. that code. You've got you to gotta make it accessible. And I'm not saying it's not valid. It's valid to you, and that's really all that matters. So uh, some of this stuff you really have to decide whether to share it or not because I, I've had experiences in the astral, in the dream, in meditation that, hey, man, that was just for me, you know. But a lot of times uh, we get caught up on these contradictions of do you got three brains or do you have four uh, is there seven chakras or is there 12? Uh, do you have five senses or 360 senses? All of that exists because there's more than one path to deity. You know, that's, mm-hmm. the, reason why, that's the reason why we have uh, uh, all these spiritual systems around the globe that, that all contain these basic principles, but then they veer off somewhere. Some say it's, uh, it's, it's all about the color blue. Some say it's all about the color purple. But that's just to get those group of people in that area or whoever gravitates towards that. It's as many paths to deity as there is grains of sand on the ground. You know, some, and I'll be honest, those on this panel have the ability to wade through all them waters and make it all translatable. Most people can't do it. I don't knock nobody that, that can. Actually, I'm jealous because you get to work on just your work. You know, those those who came and, hey, man, you know, I've heard some of the some of the strangest uh, uh, messages. People have told me stuff they got in meditation and stuff like that, and I say strange only because man, I, I don't understand it. But uh, but it's awesome though. It sounds like fire shit, man. Keep doing it. But some came here to teach, some came here to observe and learn, and so on and so on. But uh, just getting back to the movie, uh, that's that's one of the things that I that I got from it is that. Everybody has their path to walk, and even if you don't believe, you know, you don't have to. Whether man can tell you a storm coming, you don't got to go inside. You know, you you don't have to, mm-hmm. but it, it's somewhere that we all go, and and those who are more adept at experiencing it and translating it, um, you know, that's our role, you know, and for better or worse. I, I get frustrated at times, and... uh not so much with others, but with myself, because you know uh, I'm down here inhabiting the flesh bag like everybody else. And you kind of, yep. me personally, me personally, some of this information I expect all these all these hundreds of hours of Bobby and panic, and you get asked a question. Sometimes it is frustrating. I just check myself, figure out. I say, obviously, it's something I'm going through that this is bothering me. But I say to myself. Uh, yesterday on Instagram, I had somebody going back and forth with me about the comparison between Jesus and Horus. And I had to check myself because I was like, oh, wow. I actually went back and forth with this dude three times. Did you come and drink? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and so I just think that that's, that's one of those contradictions that we have to uh, resolve within ourselves. I think we gotta we gotta be real forgiving of ourselves too. You know what I mean? Because I, I that's happened to me. Where I, and and, I, and my first tendency is to kind of beat myself up because I feel like I'm supposed to be in a, a better place, a higher place than this, right? But you, our our frequencies, I guess they sort of fluctuate all the time depending on what's going on astrologically or also like 
Did y'all hear that? Yeah, I got it. Yeah. Okay. Or depending on what's going on in your life at the time or whatever, right? And so something that I might catch um, just off the rip one time, it might take me two or three or four times to be like, wait a minute, why am I doing this? You know what I mean? And so uh, I got to practice forgiveness and not sort of get down on myself for just having a human moment. You know what I mean? And I try to make sure that when I am able to catch myself, I'm looking at everyone as a field of information that I'm supposed to be gaining something from. Okay, so you're a field of information. You're, what, what are you teaching me? Let me go ahead and vibe with that and understand, because at the end of the day, it's all a mirror. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I get mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I got yeah. a question. Yeah. Um, so do you think the director or writer or whatever and this might sound like a reach or whatever, but yeah, I think he tried to put Cuba Gooden Jr., a black person, right, as, you know, as a model of the first beings on earth. And then the Asian lady, whoever that was, is like the second beings on earth. If he's like really this deep occultist or whatever, yeah, I think he went that far into doing it into aligning i would say so i would say so because there's nothing on the screen they know everything that that movie's going to project they know everything i mean so much goes into movies that i even feel like when they have bloopers those are still staged like completely like when there's microphones you know what they knew they knew they were there they just wanted to see if you were going to catch it so i feel like absolutely Yep. You know what, Kamari? I, I don't know. I don't know if you were on when we first started talking about the movie, but we broke down how the movie is based on a novel written by the coaches. Did you know that? Yeah. No. So, I read. I said that, and it, and, uh, and it was enlightening. Like, okay, yeah. Yeah, dude. Dude, he said he was a self-proclaimed meta- metaphysician. He said he was a parapsychologist. So. Uh, a lot of good movie directors, they read a book and they just have to bring it to life. Quentin Tarantino was one of those. He'll read a book and say, I'm going to make this into a movie. Well, the thing about it is, I don't know where the director's head was. I believe the director just was an excellent channel. But I didn't read the book, but I can guarantee you that that part of the movie was followed verbatim. Because, yeah, uh, uh, I don't. Th- I don't think it was a coincidence. And like, like, uh, like Gene just said, so much time and energy goes into making these movies. You know, just like, just like they portrayed his mentor as a white dude, and that was one of the last pieces of game and information he got before he went into his wife, because he asked him, "Well, why do you think?" He asked him. He said, "Why do you think uh, I chose this body not to be black?" And so. Uh, Robin Williams said something like, "Well, Robin Williams said something like, well, that's so, you know, we don't let this this flesh stuff get in the way." And he was like, and he was like, "Well, uh, no, that's not it." He said, "What it is, is that we allow so much, uh, so many other things to get in the way." You know, I was a father, I was a brother, I was a teacher, I was a student, and that was showing how we do have to evolve past those human uh, the human constructs. But still, still in all, it was a powerful message being relayed that the very first person that he encountered, and, 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 
the, the people you listen to who speak on the Astro and the, and the beings you meet there, they all kind of say something similar, you know. Uh, I don't know if it's true or not, but there's a little thing that's been circling on the Internet about the son of a KKK guy, and he, he died on the operating table for a certain amount of time, and when he came back, they said the first thing he said was, Dad, you lying to me, you know. And he like he lied about what? He said, Man, you told me what no what no niggas what no niggas had. He said, But Jesus is black, the angels is black, everybody's black. I don't know if it's that's a true story or not, but it still makes a very powerful statement, you know. Right. And so for him for him to have encountered Cuba Gooden Junior first and then to even say that his son chose that skin to display himself in said a lot. Said a lot. You know, and and that that goes to the whole mindset of the, the Mamies and the Uncle Georges, and you know, you know that that's something that's actually been grained into the American psyche of the wise old black woman, the wise old black man, or, or not even old, just just the wisdom contained in this certain race of people. You know, you can watch a movie. Um, a movie I saw recently was Attack on the Block, and it had uh, had the young black dude from. Uh, the Force Awakens. Uh, uh, what's his name? Um, you mean Finn? Uh, Finn. It had Finn in it. Called Attack on the Block. It was set in Britain, and some aliens came and attacked, and Finn was a hoodlum. And the movie started with him. The movie started with him robbing this 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 old helpless white lady. She was a uh, nurse, and he robbed her, and he was a hoodlum. Well, in uh, and through the course of the movie. Finn shows that he had no fear of these creatures that came from out of space, and he was fighting them. But uh, initially, the woman was like, when he, he even saved her, after he robbed her, he saved her from these aliens, and she still said, you think I'm going to trust you? You robbed me. And he was like, well, hey, mind you, he's, he's portraying this thug, this dude who just live off the street and rob innocent white ladies. But then he started making the most sense in the world. Also just saved your skin, you know. And there was a, another scene in that movie where the, the nurse asked him and said, where do you think these, these aliens came from? And the, the dude Finn, mind you, this is the hoodlum. We're talking, about, we're talking about the wisdom. We're talking about the wisdom that's being portrayed in certain races. Well, mind you, his whole character was a thug. But at this moment, he had a very powerful statement. He said, hey. I think it's the government. He said they can't kill off these black boys fast enough. They bring guns and drugs to the neighborhood. He said now they're bringing aliens to kill us off. And the scene went from his face to her face, his face to her face, just to show that a point was being made, you know? Mm-hmm. And so uh, uh, Issa Abernathy on Facebook, he, uh, he's, he's going through, uh, uh, he's going through, he's uh, taking plastic fields writer, write screenplays and stuff, and he tells me a lot that the majority of the people who think these movies, they're actually just automatons. They're told to follow a script, you know, they, they study mythology, but not so much to get like how we get, where you say, well, so-and-so represents the pineal gland, and that represents the different phase of the moon, and that represented the menstrual cycle, and they don't get that deep. They just learn it in terms of a, of a rope. Act one, act two, act three, protagonist, antagonist, uh, a second set of antagonists. They learned in that sense. So when they look at these uh, movies, 
they actually become, in my opinion, blind channels. Because they're just taught to follow a system. You have to have a love interest. You have to have a hero. You have to have an anti-hero. You have to have a bad guy. You have to have something lost, something gained. You have to have an aha moment. And they just look at mythology and other stories for these key points. But he says that on the overall, nothing deep about it. He said you don't, you don't meet many that, that, that go in and decipher and decode because they just follow a script. But in following a script, that makes you just an open vessel. And that's why you get a lot of these writers that say, man, I jumped up at 3 in the morning. My pen wouldn't stop moving. Uh, the guy who wrote the movie Avatar, he's like that. James Cameron. His name, isn't yeah. James Cameron. Cameron. Cameron's like that. Cameron wrote that movie, and shoot, before he aired it, before it was aired in the theaters, he wanted it beamed in outer space. He, he said he don't know why, but that's what he was moved to do, for being this in outer space. You know, so I believe it makes them to be blind channels. I was actually speaking... Real quick, I'll wrap it up. I was actually speaking to somebody else about the whole Marvel genre. And so people are saying, man, Jack Kirby and Steve, uh, Stan Lee, they was plugged in. They was getting those channels. And I always say no. No, they didn't. Because they had a team of writers. And most people don't know it, but that whole team of writers were black. And they got paid 10 cents a word. So all they were doing was pounding out words. And they drew from what they knew, mythology, stories. And they, but I always say also that the mere fact that they were just in that zone writing, those melanated people, they became open vessels for channels. And that's how we get these characters. Today, we, most of us in this group, uh, we grew up on these characters as comic books and Saturday morning cartoons. Mm-hmm. You, you look at them and you, say, and you say, oh, how come I didn't realize that Thor was Shango or that the flash was this and it was that and you look and all the credit goes to these faces of stan lee and jack kirby but they all in all they were like it was like hollywood scripts were submitted in this case it was comic books were submitted i like that one take this out put that in i don't like that one work on it some more and the channels went back to work the people who were receiving this information and said I'm going to make Captain America like this, and his shield is going to be that, and he's going to have a, not a six-point star, but a five-point star, you know, and that's all it is. So a lot of this information, I just remind myself not to give them too much credit because we were just talking about the NPCs and, you know, the non-player characters, and In the Matrix was the best movie that showed us that NPCs can receive a channel at any time. That's how they became the agents, you know? I think, moment, I think... Go ahead. I think, too, um, I forgot what I was going to say. Hold up. Coming back. Okay, well, going back to a previous point I wanted to make, there was a time when I, when I fancied myself a screenwriter, right? And I read this book. Mm-hmm. If you're going to be a screenwriter, there's this one book that everybody reads, and it's called Screenplay by Sid Field. And I remember reading that book that they said everything that's included in the story, like whatever you see on the screen, it's, it's all meant to move the story forward, right? And so there's no mistakes. And so if they show it on the screen, it's, then it's an important part of moving the story forward. So to speak to what Kamari was, was saying as far as wondering if it was purposeful that they had Cuba Gooding Jr. as, as the first 
uh, being that he sees. I think that there's, you know, there's multiple stories being told. So there's a story that, of course, the conscious story, we already know that, and then there's a sub- the subconscious story. So I do think that that was completely purposeful. And I think that they know exactly what the symbol of the black man as, as being the first being that you run into. I think that they know good and well what that's going to create, even if it's just what, they, what it's going to create on a subconscious level. And, and then now going to uh, what I just remembered, in terms of, like, there's so many things on TV now. Netflix, there's so much programming, right? We have so many channels on cable, plus Netflix, Hulu, and all these other apps, right, that have all this content on them. And, and so, yeah, I, I definitely think that there are these people who, because everything's happening at the same time, right? So spirit knows where a motherfucker's going to be at at whatever time. Right? And so, okay, you're going to be a writer. All right, well, I'm going to give you the idea to write this movie or this show or whatever because a particular person who is coming down to have a particular experience needs this light, needs this information. So we're going to have you write this show that's going to end up on Netflix, and this person's going to watch it, and they're going to feel like it was tailor-made for them. And it's going to, it's going to, they're going to receive some kind of light from it, and it's going to put them on a path, and they're going to be like, oh, my God, you know, this movie was made for me. Because that happens to me a lot with different shows and different movies. I know that happens to you guys where you're like, this is speaking to me right now at this moment. So I think that the whole thing about blind channels, I totally, I totally believe in that. You know what I mean? And they might not even realize. But, like, we have to remember, these are, these are the caretakers of that information, and it's being brought back to us. Yeah. I, you, know, you know, another thing, like you just said, about, about certain things that only introduced just to pull the story forward, what I think mm-hmm. most of us overlook is that every movie, I don't care if it's a love interest, I don't care if it's action, horror, there is always, uh, I don't know how to describe his character. There's always going to be this black person who's going to help the hero along his way, always. You see it in a lot of the military movies, it's going to be his little tough sergeant or lieutenant, somebody who's going to dig in his ass and remind him just who he is and all the training I put you through, you see it in a lot of movies. You know, well, you I always see that, that one. Jamie Fox. The, the whole, you know what? Robin Hood is always told with that lore in the story. The only thing that changes in Robin Hood, and I researched the Robin Hood mythology, the only thing that changes with Robin Hood is that the story always changes to fit the political climate. Sometimes Robin Hood is the noble, and He's helping out the nobles. Other times he's a noble that goes against the nobles. It's always designed to support the political climate of the moment. So when the, when the Jamie Foxx, Robin Hood came out, that was the first thing I wondered. Joseph Campbell broke that down in one of his books about the Robin Hood mythos. And so when I saw that movie, I said, now what are they pushing? Because Robin Hood, the story stands it stays the same, but they changed the the guts of the story up to fit political points. And if you remember that Robin Hood movie for Jamie Foxx, it was basically about the war in Iraq and how government and the religion, the government, government and the clergy were all profiting off of the war. That was all that movie was about. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you look at the movie, and, 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 but getting back to topic, you can always have uh, uh, this, even, even in the movie Star Wars, Yoda could have been any color, but he could green. We know that Yoda represented that, that wise, almost senile, old black man that got all the game in this world. And most people, George Lucas said he got it from 
Joseph Campbell's story arc would find this person on the side of the road that you assume nobody, but but turns out to be the key for your journey. And for whatever reason, that person is always portrayed. You you usually is portrayed as a person of color, even if always. he's not black. Always. And so remember, Doug. I, I did do you agree. ever watch the cartoon, Doug? I know it's not metaphysical, but Doug had a friend. <laughs> it's all, it's he had a friend it's all Peter. Peter. Peter was blue, but you know what I'm saying? He was definitely the black character. There's no way around it. You know, he had a little yep. bit, <laughs> he had a little bit of hood in him. You know what I'm saying? He all, <laughs> he was cool as hell. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Peter. You know, and I could just go on and on and on. <laughs> they, yeah, uh, it's, all, they it's always going to be a. It's always going to be a person of color. That's the main point. Like you said, he was blue. Joda was green. And it goes on and on and on, you know. So uh, uh, some of these things are just archetypal energies that got to be portrayed. Odella Ramore had the same basic thing. And we just find that these stories, these technologies, they have to be relayed over and over because they, they relay certain truths. And that's why with the kids, everybody has to get very detailed. Because otherwise, I'm pretty sure there's a government lab somewhere where they raised somebody and he wasn't given infinite symbolism. And I'm willing to bet you by the time he was six or seven, that child was probably either a maniac or, you know, just a raving lunatic. Because some of these things we got to have. But we got to have them by a certain age so that it can make it personal. So that when we are older and we see Cuba Gooden Jr. as the first person that we see some contact with, it speaks to our subconscious, you know. Hey, Mike, you got some interference in your line. <laughs> Hold on one second. Yep. I don't want to miss anything he's saying, and I know sometimes it can happen if you got a headset or something. Hello, can you hear me? Ooh, yeah, real clear. A lot better, yeah, definitely. Okay, yeah, yeah. It's just Bluetooth. I don't know why my Bluetooth want to act up just for talking. Man, to I you. figure, I figure, it, uh, you know, my headset does that from time to time too. But I figured I'd just let you know because, like, I don't want to miss Not anything that you're saying. Not thanks. But uh, but that's that's all. Just 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 to tie it in to uh. Hello. Did we lose your mic? Hello. Yeah, there you go. You're back. Okay. Yeah, but y'all dropping on some powerful, powerful uh. Light, especially with dealing with race and all of that and this whole spectrum of you know the soul and all of that so everybody's seen Bobby Hammett's you know who, human artificial right y'all seen that yeah yeah and, uh, yeah nope I got it I gotta watch it <laughs> nah, I haven't yeah, seen it no continue continue yeah it's basically just dropping on, you know, they were created from Earth or whatever, and the Caucasian people were created from Earth. So, do you think the writer or this director was? Because I don't, I'm not sure who actually scripted this movie, but do you think he tried to portray 
themselves almost having a soul in Cuban Good and Jewish part, like a black, white, black thing, like, hey, you know, you can be any avatar you want. This is the fake reality. This is still the astral. So if I'm black here, I can be black over there, or I can be white over here and black over here. You know what I'm saying? So it's yeah. just a mind fuck, basically, when we dive into the whole thing. But, um, yeah, what do y'all think about that? I mean, um, I, I, comes oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Mike. Uh, okay, like, when it comes to me, I don't really... When I watched the movie and I saw Cuba Gooding Jr. as the one who guided him along, you know, I definitely saw the aspect of, you know, it was a black man that was walking him through that. But on an overall, I personally, I don't know. I have, I'd have to do a little bit of research on the director. And because I just found out what Michael said today, you know what I'm saying, about the director being an occultist. I kind of figured that he was. But for me, I kind of think he was going at a neutral standpoint because of how good he did and everything else. I think he would have even made those points a little bit stronger. But that's just from my perspective, because if you really, really wanted to make Cuba Gooding Jr. really look as if he was like, you know what I'm saying? Right. right. He would have done a lot more, like maybe made him have a certain type of glow to where you would have saw that and said, yeah, that's exactly right. But. For me, I feel as if it was on a very neutral level from my perspective. Mm-hmm. I don't know about anybody else. No, I can dig, mm-hmm. I can dig that because at the end of the day, he didn't make him, you know what I'm saying, like fucking, uh, <laughs> you know, the African king, but whatever, you know what I'm saying? He didn't make it like seem like that, like he was trying to portray a, black god man or whatever right because but, it, when when they looked at hell i did notice there was a lot more black people in like the hell you yeah. know what i'm saying when i was about to say that yeah you know they were kind of like warrior spirits but at the same time yeah. i felt like it was still from a neutral standpoint but there were little details that he may have dropped little jewels for certain people to pick up on so like i said for me i still say it's neutral but if you, you know what your, though, and no, ahead, that's Mike. what I want to uh, get to too, because I don't, I just, you know, it could, because it could be a reach. That's why I was saying when y'all, when I first came on to the thing, I was like, this could be a reach, and but you yeah. know what I'm saying. I, I want to say this. Go I want to Mike. say this uh, from listening to Bobby extensively, especially at Human Artificial and even Panic. Um, I'll be honest, uh, especially after reading the book Dirt. Has everybody read the book Dirt? I haven't. I have it. I have it, but I, don't, I ain't read it yet. Yeah. Uh, Kamari, I know you read it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I read it some. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's a book that it's one of the ones you don't got to read it. You don't got to read page to page. You can actually just jump around and you'll get all the information you need. But I'll say this. If you look at the overall spectrum of uh, the gnosis that's around, the knowledge, the book's written, it, it does appear as if this certain that they are trying to fabricate a soul. I'll be honest. Uh, and I'm not saying this from any kind of racial superiority or nothing like mm-hmm. that, but the, the mere fact that at this very moment, the Caucasian race is at zero birth rate. 
uh, zero birth rate means that essentially it's over. And, and uh, it's e- easy to see the tie-ins with, uh, like, artificial insemination. A lot of people don't know that the only way artificial insemination works, you have – this is in a lawsuit. There was a lawsuit about – around the same time that stuff was going on with Mike Brown, there was a lawsuit. This, uh, they were a, a lesbian couple, and they wanted to have a child. And, you know, when you go to those uh, fertilization clinics, they tell you to – Pick out the pick out what you want. I want an astronaut, just good in math, blonde hair, blue eyes, uh, six feet seven. You know, you pick out the person that you want to have this child by. Well, they picked out their person, and when their child, uh, one of them was inseminated. When the child was born, it was clearly a mixed child. I mean, clearly, it, it, it looked like it clearly. So the the couple they sued the clinic. Well, long story short, the clinic beat the lawsuit. And they beat it because they they said that the only way artificial insemination works is if we use a significant amount, and I don't want to know, the, I can't recall the word they use, but I'm going to insert melanated semen. They said that. They, I mean, they didn't say melanated, but they used another word, but to say the only way this process works, and to say a significant amount, we're going to go legal, and we're going to say 51% is the majority. So over 51% of whatever they chose was something else that was melanated. And they said that's the only way the process works. So I'm not saying that. Uh, uh, I, I do feel as though that Bobby and Panic, I think they was on something. But at the same time, Bobby uh, Panic was the one that said, man, it's actually quite possible. And I think that what most people fail to realize is that um, – after the Civil War, 1863, 1865, that's when our people started the brown bag rule. We had a, a group of, of, of black people post-slavery who didn't want to be associated with nothing black. So they started these churches called the had a brown paper bag rule. If you were darker than a brown paper bag, you couldn't come to this church. Well, after years of that type of only where I can use is inbreeding, well, and this is in a lot of J.A. Rogers books, a lot of people who followed that brown bag rule and intermarried, 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 man, several generations later, they, they begin to pass for white, and they begin to put on their things Caucasian. And I think a lot of people fail to realize that uh, it's a good chance a lot of these people that we think are mm-hmm. Caucasian, it's a good chance that they got ancestral relatives, recent relatives, who passed for black for their entire past for white their entire life that's, that's a, guarantee. a very real that's a guarantee fact. that's a guarantee my grandfather is 100 percent black and through the family my children they look very white my biological kids are twins and they mm-hmm. look very white and their mother's white and i'm half mexican and I have i think what 15 percent white in me i didn't find that out until recently but my kids mm-hmm. look very white so you can definitely, and if they have white children, you can only imagine that they, they will only pass for white. Now, my brother, who is the exact same mom and dad as me, his kids are black, and his kids look very dark. So it's just, yeah. man, I, I yeah. tend to believe a lot of people. There's a major, If everybody went and was able to get a legitimate DNA test, they would find out that some of everybody is mixed in America. I, yeah, I yeah. And, and leave that to the core. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, uh, uh, I've had rare opportunities, man, 
rare opportunities. Uh, uh, one of my one of my older homeboys, he did a lot of penitentiary time, and he had got real cool with this Aryan Brotherhood dude. I mean, they were super cool. They called each other brothers, and you know, and this dude is a—he has the lightning bolts on his neck, and you know, the lightning bolts signify that he had to—he had to basically kill a couple of black people. You know, you get—you get the lightning bolt every time you knock somebody down. And uh, at the time, I was a youngster. I was 16, you know, and at that age, I was very much caught up in color and race, you know. So I used to be like, man, what are you thinking about that white boy? Man, you know, man, what you doing with that? Take that lightning bolts on his neck, you know? Well, he told me, man, you got to get to know him. So one day uh, I sat up and I, I drank with him and smoked some weed with him. And I tell you the first thing that, that to this day still blows me away. Number one, he knew He knew at that time at my age, he knew more about black history than I did. He knew more about it than I did. Another thing that he did that, that blew me away is when he, and now mind you, 16, this is 1989 for me. He told me then that, he said, man, it's not that I hate black people. He said, I just love my people. And he was telling me, mind you, I'm a 16-year-old. So a lot of this flew over my head so I got to my late 20s. And he told me that, man, my people are dying. You know, the white race is going to be extinct soon. I remember thinking, yeah, right. You know, you motherfuckers running around this motherfucker. But he was, I don't know where he got his information from, but Obama's last year in office, Joe Biden went before the Senate, and he said those exact words. I'm speaking to the Caucasian race out here. We're, we're at zero birth rate. We've got to get it together. And, and, and to tie it into something recent, not to get off track, but to tie it in, this whole ban on abortion, People think it's aimed mm-hmm. at it's, it's, it's 60% of the women who get abortions are Caucasian women, 60%. So yeah. as, 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 as many sisters that took it personal, it was not aimed at us. This, this is, this is a, to, be, to be at zero birth rate, to be at zero birth rate is, is the essence of Everybody's seen a Western where, where a horse – have you ever seen a Western where a horse had to be proud of misery? Yeah. And they see the horse kicking, they say, man, put the horse out of his misery. Mm-hmm. Zero, birth, zero birth rate is essentially saying somebody put this horse out of his misery. It's, it's going to die. Right now we're letting it suffer. And I'm not saying that in a callous way. I'm just saying that in terms of nature, whenever a race reaches zero birth rate, there, you can calculate the time when it's going to be over. It's, it's a it's a chart, and this has happened to the Arawak Indians. This 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 is new for the Caucasian race, but it's happened over and over on this planet that certain races have reached zero birth rate, and you can almost say, oh, within ten generations, it'll be no more of them. It's just that well, simple. So there's more mixed people. There's that's what's taken over. There's way more mixed people than anything else, and and that's what it is. Yep. Yeah, that's really. I I mean, I got into a discussion with a guy that was pro-white, and I told him I feel like I'm the real, true American. I mean, really, Mm -hmm. I'm here of multiple different lineages that mix together. Everybody else came from somebody else. You know what I'm saying? And I've said this before when it comes to race. It's way more common with the. Don't get me wrong. Culture is very important. I'm not taking away from culture at all, but you still have a lot in common with 
everybody else. Your blood type, you got way more in common with the person with the same blood as you than the same skin color in a lot of ways. You know, and there's yeah. way more you can learn from everybody else. I feel like when it comes to a racial standpoint, that's a that's a setback. If somebody comes at me with something racial, yeah. in a way, to me, that's a lower thinking level. Like, how can you yeah. be spiritual and be racial at the same time? Now, I understand, like I said, culture is very, very important. But I think that when you tie yourself in and are pro anything, you hold yourself back from experiencing it all. There's some white witches out there that are mm-hmm. cold-blooded that I've learned a lot from. And then again, there's people like Panic that I've learned a lot from. And you know what I'm saying? I don't hold myself back from learning anything. And I think that a lot of people get caught up with, you know, race. And it's like, man, look, I get it. Let it go. Let when people talk about race, yeah. I feel like less race, more chakra work. <laughs> you need to get some I mean, chakra work for sure. It, it shouldn't. It shouldn't reach the point that it interferes with your work. To be honest, it's it's just right. a distraction. It's just a distraction. Really? You know what I'll say to you when you just said that, that actually, you know, you're the face of the future, right? I'm uh, I'm big on Star Trek, right? Right. And, and in Star Trek, you know, they always deal with the time paradox where, where they go to the future, they go to the past, go to the future, go to the past. Well, in Star Trek Enterprise, the one that came out like the early 2000s, um, there was a point where the guy who played uh, the time traveler dude, uh, Scott, 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 ba- Scott Bakula, he, was, he played the captain of the Star Trek, the first Enterprise, and he went into like the year 2743 or something. And he met this guy. He looked like a regular, you know, white guy just like him. And the guy told him, uh, if, you check, if you check my DNA, he said, if you check my DNA, he said, you'll see that I'm one-eighth Bajorian, I'm part Cardassian, I'm part Klingon, I'm, you know, I got all this in me. And he's looking at him like, what? Those races aren't even compatible. But I just bring that up to say that this is an idea that has been presented and put forward for a very long time, and it's in play. Uh, if you remember even as far, not remember, but even as far back as uh, the 1800s in the slavery times, it was always about miscegenation. It was always about miscegenation. It was always about the fact that we're not going to mix these bloodlines, and miscegenation is just the mixture of different races and bloodlines, you know. And so I, I just always say that anybody that's, that's too caught up on that it's just going to be a hindrance, you know. Um, it's just, it's just a hindrance, man, in, in, in terms of getting your work done. Would you say, yeah, Kamari? Kamari? It, it really has something to do with, uh, it's, it's not about no the color of your skin or anything like that. It's about just the soul. Like, do you have a soul or not? Yeah. So it yep. comes down to um, not looking at this physical, you know, vessel just, Understanding that, okay, does this certain type have a soul? Do you have a soul that you can, like, you know, Panic did that thing with uh, with Rick James and uh, what's her name? Yeah, Tina Marie. Yeah, and they was feeling like, you know, she didn't have no soul, but we can hear the soul in her. You can hear it. You can hear it. 
out later that she is still, she does still have a bloodline or whatever. You know what I mean? But yeah, at the end of the day, I thought it came down to that. Like basically, what your what what speaks to you, what resonates to you, because we all know what what happens. Like this whole thing is going to turn back to black eventually. You know what I'm saying? This earth realm or whatever. Right. Like thousand, probably even a million years from now. Just everybody being black because it's just inevitable. Like like y'all was saying, the birth race and all of that. Zero percent. So it's like going so it's like there's no real race per se. It's just do you have a soul or not? And I think that's Mm -hmm. Interesting topic, hey. though. Hey, Kamari, don't I always say? No, no, I didn't mean to cut you off, but you said something that reminded me what I always say. Uh, the race is for humans. Right. If you if you in a race, if you in a race, you you're purely human, and I'm gonna leave you to run that. Uh, uh, I'm not in that race. You know, the race is for yeah. humans. And and yeah. and Steve Freeman and others, they were real clear in that the goal in this is is becoming God. It's not becoming a better human. It's not about, you know, none of that. It's about becoming, putting on the mind of Christ. Even, the, you know, the Bible says that, man, you know. It's about putting on the mind of Christ and becoming Christ-like. And so that, that's that's about all I can say. I, I hate to waste too much time on it and, and not out of uh, anger, disgust, or any idea of feel like I'm better than anybody or anything else, but, it's not impacting that don't that don't move my consciousness. That's not a well, question that I'm too concerned about. I, I did I did my research on it. I, I've come to my own personal conclusions and I'm okay with it. And from there it was just like, well let me get back to my real work. That that was like in the middle of doing your homework, you stop and read a little bit of a comic book and then you say, Well man, let me finish my homework before my mom get home and I get in trouble, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I was talking about with the whole movie aspect of the Cuba Gooden Jr. and him being a white, I guess he was a white young boy that died and just him using this black avatar, just saying like, shit, this shit don't matter. You know what I'm saying? I'm just showing you a reflection that even in this astral, which is still the fake illusion, I can be black or I can be black when I come back to this bitch. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. In this quote unquote real world. You know what I'm saying? When I'm quote unquote awake or sleep or whatever. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Yeah, that was, um, that was a great movie. The only yeah, thing that confused yeah, me is why they came back. Part of the movie, though. Y'all. Y'all go on with the movie, man. You know, that's just one little piece of it, man. That's it. <laughs> How did we get on that? I know Mike said something about Cuba Good Julia in this an hour already. We had to get on. It, 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 it's it one of those tricky subjects. But it was it was actually it was actually that was the elephant in the room throughout the whole movie. It it, it mm. actually when the when this when the story got underway 
that was in your face because Chuba Gooden Jr. was the first person to greet him. And at the very end, when he found himself in the hell, that was what we were dropped off with before we got back to the regular story. So it was actually the elephant in the room, and we addressed it, you know. But, uh, again, uh, Gene, we've been on, we've been on talk, we've been on, on National Order of Everything, and we've had people call in on both sides of the fence going off. You know yeah. what I'm saying? We've had people on both sides. There was some some racist white dude called in going crazy. We had a black dude. He called in and said, "Man, I'm wondering when we're gonna start talking about killing crackers." And you know, it, it's 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 an emotionally charged topic, and so it, it mm-hmm. constantly becomes that very trauma that either we ignore, or you know, or we pick a side, and it's not about choosing. It, it's just not. I mean, unless that floats somebody's boat. I would say knock yourself out, just miss me with it. Because I don't want to put the energy into it myself. Yeah, yeah. Right. Now, <laughs> now Mike, yeah. why do you uh, think in the end of the movie he wanted to come they wanted to come back? That was something that kind of confused me. Like if they found each other, why would they have wanted to come back? Because in the very end of the movie they came back as children. What okay. more was there to learn? Okay. Let me say this. Now there was a there was a there was a dual aspect to that. The the awesome part about it is that's why we choose to come here, is to experience. A lot of us come searching for our twin flame, you know, the other half to our soul. They were they they were saying that you know they enjoy playing the game and playing it together. But I actually think that's actually part of the, that. We talked about programming earlier. That's part of the programming. And saying that, oh well, I'm gonna come back to Earth and just blindly do it all over again. You know, we know that how it ended. They bumped into each other again with the same little red boat, and they were real little kids. And so we knew that the saga continued. And you have to also think in your mind it was gonna continue forever. And like you said, when the goal is to actually get beyond the astral, and in, in, in terms of Kabbalah, in terms of Kabbalah. The lower four sephira, you got Nitzak, Hold, Yasad, and then Malkuth at the bottom. Yasad, Nitzak, and Hold, that bottom triangle just above Earth is called the Astral Triangle. So when you leave here, you didn't go far. <laughs> you didn't go far at all. You know what I'm saying? You right, you, you right there. That's the Moon, Mercury, and Venus, the three closest planets to Earth. So, well, the three closest celestial bodies because the moon's not a planet. But still, the point I'm making is it was just showing that this trap, this reincarnation, this recycle thing is all it is to it, so you might as well enjoy it. But, but on the other side, if you are consciously reincarnating, you lose it, you're in the astral, you know what you're doing, man, have a ball and do it all. Most people not doing that, you know, most not doing it. But I, that's what I got from that. I was like, that's that bullshit. You know, who who going to come back? And then they met his kids, so that meant that they wasn't going to get together again until they turned 18, maybe. You, you know, it's just one of those things, but I, I don't know. I think it was dual. I think it was partly showing the beauty of mastering this realm and then also the programming of only choice you got is to recycle and have fun recycling. What's interesting is when he was falling, like with all those people and uh like he was walking on all those faces right and then he fell and like all those other people were falling and were turning to dust kind of like it was like uh 
right before he fell and he found his wife. Yeah, that was actually they his dad. All... Yeah, he met his, his dad. dad. Actually, his dad. That yeah, was sure that was his dad. Are we sure? Because oh, he did. okay, he called him Robin Papa, Williams. right? Robin Williams didn't want to admit it. He was like, "Son," he was like, "Papa, Dad, no, it can't be you." He was like, "Oh yeah, they, they all come. This is not that bad." And when he said, "Like no, you know, you can't be my father," he was like, "Oh, it's it's okay." That was his dad. Mm. That, that was that was like a, a, a like a purgatory type place. That was his dad, but it, it to me it just served to show the different degrees of hell we can put ourselves through. It's no telling what his dad was doing, chilling there up to his neck. The lady next to him kept saying, "I never cheated any of my clients. I just charged them eight percent the standard rate." She kept repeating over and over, "I never cheated any of my clients. I only mm-hmm. charged the standard rate." So if these little Obviously, she was cheating, motherfuckers, or she wouldn't have been where she was. Uh, I, you know, that part right there was actually, when they got to hell, when they got to hell, they switched over to mythology. I don't know if you guys realized it. Remember that vessel they saw right before hell? Remember the name of that vessel? Cerberus. Cerberus. Yep. I Cerberus. Cerberus. Yep. Oh, so that they, they were they were in they were in mythological hell. Purgatory comes from Dante's Inferno. So at that point, it, it became more of a, a a theological arguing point. You know what I'm saying? In terms of because uh, her personal hell was different from all of that. that yeah, because I, right if there. I were, I sorry, I, I didn't mean to cut you off, but what I noticed there. I remember you mentioning because it it looked kind of like a sort of Mad Max sort of scene, you know what I mean? Where when they were down there and it was a, a desert looking type scene, yep. but also the water was there, which is kind of weird. Um, and then I saw the ship and I was just so conspicuous, you know, the SS Cerberus, and I'm like, all right, so obviously this is like the gateway to hell. And then that's when you saw um, a lot of people, and I saw some red, right? I saw some red. They were wearing like red clothing, and I think yeah. I saw that. Um, and then I, and it was all like black folks and I was like, okay, so this is hell or, or this is like the root chakra, you know what I mean? Uh, maybe. Yep, uh, yep. and, and then, but for them to get to where she was, they had to get on that little makeshift elevator thing. So they had to go higher up another level. So like the hell, that's the lowest point you can go, I guess the underworld, right? Which is what our subconscious and then, but she had to go up, they had to go up to get to her. So that was one of the different, like you were saying, Dante's Inferno. That was one of the the levels of hell. I'm guessing. Exactly. Yeah. 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 That was pretty cool. And and, and then all of that, uh, uh, the the guy who was his, his uh, mentor, all of that was Greek mythology. You had somebody that had to guide you across that ferry. My personal opinion is that in Greek mythology. Though the river Styx, it was three rivers in hell. The river Styx, and it was two other rivers. You had to get past Cerberus. Uh, mm-hmm. Beyond that was the Elysian Fields, basically paradise. Mm-hmm. But all of it has to have levels. It's not just a story to be told. Those rivers usually indicate Kundalini, or it, it could it could it could have been. Uh, those were the souls in the process of blind reincarnation that come back with guilt and, and, and 
more work and more traumas to process because, like you said, they were buried up to their neck. And so, I mean, it's, it's real possible. But you're right. I, I didn't, I didn't give, give it too much thought. But now that we're talking about it, yeah, uh, those had to be the people. You don't suffer long like that. You come, you wait, you wait a good chance to get back in the game and fix whatever you did wrong. That's my understanding of people who suffer like that in the astro is they're just waiting for a chance to be reborn and get it right the next time. So it may seem like like an eternity, but even even in the Dante's Inferno and all that. That's where we get our idea of hell from. Our current, in this age, we get our idea from a book, a work of fiction. I'm not saying that, that uh, the guy didn't get a channel because he was being persecuted by the church, and he hid out in a cave somewhere and wrote that book. So I'm pretty certain that he received a channel, but, but uh, a lot of this is uh, regurgitated theology. You know what I'm saying? A lot of it. You what said he hit out in the cave. Yeah, uh, the, the guy who wrote Dante's Inferno. He yeah, was Divine Comedy. Yeah, the, the, the Divine Comedy. The author, I forget his name now. He was being persecuted by the church. He was a writer, and back mm-hmm. then, every anything you wrote got approved to the church. And he yeah. kept writing. He kept writing these same satires, and the church wasn't feeling it, so they was like, "We finna kill you." So he went on the run. And uh, I forget where he was at, somewhere in Europe. He hid out in the mountains for about a year or two. And that's when he wrote uh, The Divine Comedy. That's and symbolic it in was, itself. That, of course. That's yeah, symbolic that's in itself. Yeah. It's a ritual almost. Yeah. That's why I say it was, it was a channel because he was under extreme duress. We know that in India all those, uh, I forget what they're called, all those little, uh, not priests, but all those guys, they go live in a candle and they read by, by candlelight, and that's how they get all their gnosis, you know, because being in that dark camp, that dark cave with very little light, all that does is activate the pineal gland, you know. So it was a channel, but he had, to, he had to filter it through his religious mindset because back then gotcha. you, didn't yeah. do nothing, you, you didn't do nothing unless you was a part of the church. Even, in, even his satires... They were just saying that these are un, I believe it was the Catholic Church back then that was getting with him. Either way, the, the Holy Roman Church, whatever it was, uh, it was all filtered through that lens, you know? And mm-hmm. so uh, a lot of that, when I read stuff like that, I just look for older mythologies to compare it to because these same stories get told over and over through the, uh, the collective unconscious, the same stories. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's why. That's why for our generation, we got Captain America, Black Falcon, Black. We got all these. We got all these different characters, but you can look back and you can tie them all into Egyptian figures, Greek figures. Most of them. Thor is an actual Greek god. Loki's an actual Greek god. You know, so you can tie them back in because uh, uh, what is it? Joseph Campbell said. I think Panic and pointed out. You have uh, cultural motifs and. I think it's like indigenous. Oh no, it's called folk. Mo- this is Joseph Campbell. Folk motifs, and then you have cultural motifs. So the folk tales are from older older races that set down the basis of these stories. But then the cultural ones is when they hear these stories and they adapt it to their culture. 
And that's why you look and you say, man, the Bible's so similar to Egyptian shit and Greek shit. It's so similar to that because they all stem from one common folk mythology. And then you just place your culture on top and you just change this person from a redhead to a, a nappy-headed person and you change the color of this person's skin from black to white. As a matter of fact, most Greek mythology, i got a couple good books on Greek mythology, you'll find out that there's always a story where there was an all-black bird that did something to the gods, he was cursed, and now he's all white. Or they had the opposite. There was an all-white bird uh, that got cursed, and now he's black. Uh, or they'll say two birds were released from Egypt, and they were black, and when they got to the, the mountain of Desuvius, they miraculously turned white. But those be little subtle ways of saying where these, mythologies came from. Uh, what I'm quoting right now, that I didn't come up with this on my own, this is in uh, Serious Mysteries. I can't think of the guy name who wrote the Serious Mysteries. Uh, he pointed out in a Laird. very subtle way. What's that? Laird something? No, not Laird. Uh, Laird is somebody he quoted from a lot. His name is uh, Robert Temple. Can't think of it, but it's the serious. Right, yeah. mm-hmm. He's he's the guy that pointed out that uh, he was the one about everything revolved around Sirius, and uh, he pointed out all these ley lines, and he used a lot of mythology to show that these same stories were being told over and over. It's Robert something, Robert Temple. It's, Ro- it's Robert Temple. Robert Temple. I'll okay. look it up. Robert Temple. So in the serious mystery, he just he didn't say. They stole it from black people. He just pointed out over and over how in Greek mythology, uh, and then he showed how every sacred mountain in Europe, it lines up on a ley line that shoots to a sacred temple in Egypt. And he just, point, he just, he just makes these, he shows these proofs over and over and over. And, he was a, and that brought it to my attention. So when I went back to my books on Greek mythology, you always read that there was a bird that, the gods told to watch this goddess, don't let them happen, the bird let it happen, so the gods cursed that bird and made it black. And he, he was the one that showed that. So a lot of these mythologies, so what, what the movie What Dreams May Come True, what it did, it did a great job of tying in metaphysics and mythology, a great job. did a great job because it blended in so well. It blended in so well, most people would never know that it was written by an occultist. You would just say, oh, that's a great movie, and it touched me. It moved me. You know? <laughs> it went right over and, their head. Right over. And, and, and it's one of those ones, I'll be honest, before we decided to do this breakdown on a fluke, I ain't going to lie, you know, I still got that. I, I was raised in, uh, it wasn't church. Jehovah's Witnesses do it a little different, but I still got in the back of my mind is that religious motif. A lot of Sunday mornings I get up and I, I try to watch what I call a good movie. I get up early where everybody's still asleep, and I want to watch a good movie. And mm-hmm. a good movie usually, usually for me is something that I can sit down and I can draw some meat from. You know, it might be an alien movie, but 9 times out of 10 it's going to be a story. And one Sunday morning I got up super early, and my ritual at home is, Saturday, Sunday morning, I cook breakfast for my kids because that's an awesome memory I have from my childhood with my grandmother and my mother 
on the weekends. They made these big, huge breakfasts, and you ate as much as you wanted. If you couldn't finish it, you throw it away. And I try to keep that up for my kids because it's an awesome memory for me. So I get up kind of early. I try to be as quiet as I can so I can have a house to myself, and I start cooking. And I was watching. This is before we decided to do the show. And I, I, I say this to say that I've watched that movie before I was aware of how deep it was, I had probably seen it maybe three times. Once I found out what it was about, I've probably seen it another five times. I've seen that movie at least seven, eight times. So before we decided to do the breakdown, I was watching uh, the movie, and I don't know what the fuck came over me. I literally had to clap my hand over my mouth to keep from crying out loud. I was like, the fuck? And I mm-hmm. put my hand over my mouth. And I was just like, ooh, ooh, ooh. I, I, I don't know what came over me, but uh, it's just one of those movies that, man, if you really get into it, if you really pay attention to the symbolism, it'll take you on a hell of a ride. It'll take you on a hell yeah. of a ride. And, and to find out. Son, that put me in tears hardcore. I cried like, mm-hmm. and I'm not an emotional fella. I cried when he, when he realized that was his son. That uh, that hit me, and it hit a lot of other guys that I know too. That you know, love their dads. You know, that was like a yeah, yeah, really big moment. Yeah, I just incredible movie, man. Uh, you know, uh, I took notes for this show, and I'm gonna be honest with y'all, I haven't even used a quarter of them. <laughs> I know I've been skipping around. One thing that I yeah. wanted to mention that that kind of stuck out to me, um that I remember Panic talking about was her hell was created because her life did not turn out the way she wanted, the way she expected. You know what I mean? And and I remember Panic talking about that and talking about how kind of like how we have to sort of let go of what we, we feel we didn't do and what things were supposed to be. It wasn't supposed to be like this. And it's like, well, what was it supposed to be? It's just an experience and you gained yep. life from it, you gained knowledge from it, and that's, and, and that's that. But, but she had like a really traumatic, like she really was like, yo, I'm going and I'm going to have like an experience. I'm going to have, I'm going to lose my kids. And then three, four years later, I'm going to lose my husband and I'm going to force myself to have to go through all that. You know, and that was a very tall order for anybody to experience. So it's like understandable (laughs) that she kind of went crazy at the end. Um, But because she wasn't able to sort of, I guess, process, all the pain and the trauma that she experienced in that life, then she was just thinking about how everything went wrong and she was stuck in that hell. Yeah, yeah. You, you know what? I say this. So, I, yeah. Go ahead. Go. No, I was gonna say when you kill yourself, you uh, that's it. Like you, you, if you kill yourself, you mentally probably have a problem or you know something of that nature, unless you know. That's your conscience like us, and you know, okay, I'm going to kill myself just to get to the other side real quick. But when you kill yourself, there's something wrong that, you know, that you're not fulfilling on this earth plane. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. all the way through yeah. and you're going to live in that emotion forever because you, you ain't dealt with this human shit, the seven seas, the seven chakras, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I, I don't think have the opportunity to come back to fix it. Because I was going to ask that question off what Mike said of earlier. Says that you get to come back. Of course. Do you think suicide? So what would you think is the consequence for suicide? Because there has to be well, something. See, I, I would know what. I would think you got to do this shit again. 
I would think you have to no, do what? the exact same thing again. Yeah, you know what? So. I'm just going to say. The, the yeah. only consequence, if, 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 you, if you can, go ahead, Kamari. No, I was going to say, you're going to live in your mind, and then you're going to come back as some kind of goofy. You know what I'm you saying? You know what? You back all the way right. Man, I mean, a lot of sense. That make a lot of sense. Yeah. While, while we talk, we're talking about it, and we're saying that you create your own heaven or hell, the only consequence is whatever you put on it. That's it. If, That's true. If, if, you, if you leave with that mindset, then that mindset is your consequence. If you leave here surrounded by flowers and friends and that peace and I never, you know, I didn't steal nobody's donkey, uh, I didn't wrong anybody, you leave here in peace, you leave here in peace. That's it. That's, for me, that's all it is. And I'll say this also. Uh, I'm 46 years old. I've always been an intelligent dude. I went through several different phases of my consciousness. And and not to go through the long story, but I went through several. I actually tried to go back to sleep like twice because when I was younger and I was on my woke shit, I just I, I didn't have the understanding that, you know, you're to embody these energies. I didn't understand it. It's like none of this shit makes sense. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm going, I'm going to celebrate Christmas. Fuck this shit. But the point I'm making is after I got a family and got, you know, at the time I had my kids, I'll be honest, that was the second time I told myself, this conscious shit, this shit ain't about nothing. Man, I was like, man, you know what? I'm finna celebrate Christmas. You know, I was just like, man, this, none of this shit matter. You know, I was, I was on some shit like, man, God don't even exist. Fuck it. Well, I had kids. Lo and behold, oh, my God, how life, how we play these, how we put these hurdles in front of us for a reason. Right after I had kids, now I was familiar with Gnosticism. When I was in my 20s, I read the Gnostic Bible. I never read any interpretations of it. I just read the Gnostic Bible. Well, after I had my kids, I don't know what possessed me, but I bought an annotated copy of the Gnostic Scriptures. And I'm reading it for the first time, and I'm seeing, I finally, the light finally clicked, and I'm saying, Oh, shit. So I went through a whole phase of where I felt guilty for bringing my kids to this planet. Mm-hmm. And I, I, went through, I went through that whole phase. Okay, first, let me be totally honest. Before the phase in terms of children, I went through a whole phase where I, I found myself mad at my mother and father. I didn't actually be here. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that was an accident. You know, I went through that phase. And then right when I was in the middle of that, I got back into Gnosticism. But this time I had my right lens on. You know, I, I understood it for what, it, what, what the message was truly being relayed, and it blew me away. And right now I have a 13-year-old son. I have a 13-year-old son, and I have two beautiful twin daughters. And, and every now and then I look at them and I say, oh, my goodness. Why did I bring them here? But I got to remind myself, I didn't bring them here. They brought themselves here. It was like mm-hmm. playing double dutch. It was like playing double dutch. They saw the rope spinning, and they said, I can jump in right now, and they, and they chose to come in. And I look mm-hmm. at my family. I look at my family. My, my, my twin girls are Aries. I'm a Taurus. Uh, 
My son's a Gemini. My wife is a Libra. We basically encompass the whole body. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But almost. Almost. We got the left and right hemispheres of the brain. We got Taurus, which is the neck and arms. We got Gemini, which is, you know, and you go on and on. And uh, so I battle sometimes with myself, and I do my best to say, hey, this is their life. You know, uh, the whole time we've been talking, I had to pick my girls up, and they was in the car. They so used to what I talk about, I hide nothing from my kids. My wife is a different story. I don't hide nothing from her, but where she's at, if I get to going too deep, she'll tell me, you, 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 you're hurting my head. I don't want to hear about it no more. My kids, on the other hand, uh, my daughter, uh, my, the youngest twin, she said something so incredible. I was watching uh, when Penny did that video on Baphomet, the recent one, that came out some months ago. I was watching it, and my daughter walked up on me. I was on the laptop, and I'll be honest, I try to limit my kids' traumas. So I paused the video and said, what's up? You know, I'm, you know, big-ass Bofferman on the screen. What's up? Well, my daughter, she stopped whatever she was going to ask me, and she said, Daddy, you like him? And she's pointing at Bofferman. She said, you like him, Daddy? She said, he's funny, but he don't sit still for me. And I was like, mm. huh? I'm like, what? And she's like, yeah, he's funny, Daddy, but he just never sits still. And so everything in me, you know, the scientists and the alchemists and this little nerdy dude, I wanted to know exactly what she was talking about. But I said to myself, you know what? Obviously, she already has her own relationship with Baphomet that I know nothing about, and I'm going to leave it be. You know, do you? Because my kids, they sit around me with my talk, especially my son, who's uh, autistic. If he had been in the car, he would have chimed in. He can't help it. He hear me mention the chakra, he's going to say, chakras are energies, Dad. He's going to be talking about deities. Deities are energies, Dad. He, he's going to chime in. And so I, the point I want to make is about kids and reincarnation and choosing to be here, I have to remind myself that this is their life to live. The first three to six years of their life was my time to put my imprint on them, but this is their life, and I do my best to let them live it and not feel like in any way I'm impacting their journey. This is their journey, and they chose it just like I chose mine, you know, and, and, and that helps me from getting caught up on the human tip of always, you know, my babies. Nah, me and my kids have incredible conversations. Matter of fact, my oldest twin, <clears throat> we were talking real quick, and I'm going to wrap it up. My oldest twin, she was uh, talking with her aunts and her mom, and they were talking about babies and stuff. And mind you, she's only 10. So me personally, I don't think this is a conversation she should be having. But, hey, that's her mama. They, they want to talk about it. I'm not going to say nothing. So there was asking the girls, you know, all, all my nieces and my daughters too, you know, how many kids you want to have? And you want to have boys? You want to have girls? And they got to my youngest twins said, I'm going to have twins, and their names are going to be this and that. She was all ready. Asked my oldest one. She got real quiet, and she said, uh, I'm not going to have any kids. So my sister-in-law, my wife, was like, what, why? And she said and she said it quietly but so solemnly. She said, I'm not going to bring any kids into this world. Mm-hmm. And I said, I was in the background. I had a proud papa moment. I'm like, yes, <laughs> okay, baby. Even if, even if later in life she does decide to have kids, I know that at 10 years old, on some level, she gets it. Mm-hmm. You know, my 
My kids call Bobby Hemet to this day. They call Bobby Hemet the funny fat man. <laughs> Whenever they ask, me, they ask me, why you don't listen to the funny fat man no more, Daddy? And if they catch this in the panic, they say, oh, that's the man that be yelling all the time, Daddy. So, you know, <laughs> I, I expose them, them to whatever I got going on, and I just figure that they chose what they chose, and it is what it is. But it's, it's, it's a humbling experience, but it's also free. It frees you from those instincts that say you got to do everything you can to protect this seed, when in actuality there's nothing you can do to protect your seed. They chose to be here just like you chose to be here. They're going to live their life. Just like in the movie we saw, Robin Williams' kids came back to die a violent death at a very young age. You know, not to say that you shouldn't grieve or feel angry, but there is a, a certain point that allows you to get beyond that when you say that, you know what, we all, because my life show ain't been peaches and cream. You know, I said before you got on, Kamari, that the episode of The Magician you did, you don't know, but you helped me work through some major trauma, something I thought I had dealt with already. And I listened to your episode, and it just was like, it was like a, it was like I didn't know I was carrying these 10-ton 10, 10 rocks on my back. It lifted off my back. I was able to have a real honest conversation with myself and, and to get over that trauma. And I know that trauma is a huge part of living down here, and it's how we deal with it. So the best I do with my kids is I try to have real honest conversations with them. Even if I'm angry and upset, uh, I have no problem doubling back to my kids and saying, you know what? I was dead wrong. I had no business raising my voice at you. I wouldn't want you raising your voice at me. You don't have to accept my apology, but I'm going to give it to you anyway, and I'm going to do my best to make sure it doesn't happen again. I don't mind having that conversation with them just to, in the hopes of leaving the traumas. Because when I was little, it was my mama would never dare uh, apologize for anything she did to me, you know. So, you know, that's it. I think I, got, I, think I went on a tangent. And y'all just be letting me talk. Somebody oh, fucking stop me, man. That's, you know what you're saying, Mike? Yeah, that's powerful. And, um, you know, I, I can't remember who said it, Aleem or Wayne Chandler or somebody, but our kids are birthed. Like, we're birthed from our kids. Like, they actually birthed us. So, oh. Out of the circle of time, you know what I'm saying, we make these agreements with, Mm-hmm. these other beings, which is our kids and, you know, generational generations all the way down, that we're going to come in this little time gap or whatever, however you want to call it, and just live out this experience so we can learn something new. So, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? It's, it's not our journey per se. We're living in our kids' journey, but we're living out our journey also but when we birth these kids, we already have made an agreement with them. Like, all right, all right, motherfucking look, this is what you about to do. So, you know. <laughs> so, it's, yeah, it's powerful, man, powerful thing. You just yeah, said, like, that's what it is, man. It, it, that's what it is. Because parenting, like, once you become a father or you become a mother, at least I can speak from my perspective, when I became a mom, like, they always say that a woman needs about two years 
before she should even consider having more children because her body has to adjust. They talk about, you know, all the organs and all the different things that have to go back in place. And I say, well, in addition to the physical um, healing that has to happen and the, and the sort of physical reintegration that has to happen, there's also the mental because it's an entirely new identity. You, you have become a new person. I'm not the same person I was before I had my kids, aside from the fact that my body has changed and they've robbed me of my memory, right, because mommy brain is real and you do lose, you know, your memory and you kind of, you know, uh, not able to remember things like you used to. But, like, you I have never this whole knew. new identity. I've never heard that before. Yeah. i never heard and that then before. You had this, what? What you said about mommy brain? Oh, yeah, about yeah. Mommy like, brain. it changes. Yeah, it changes. Like, I... I forget exactly, I forget, haha, exactly what changes, but it's the hormones, and, and once with the pregnancy, it, it, it does something. So somebody out there could look it up, but it's called mommy brain, and it's a real thing because I remember experiencing it. My memory was really good. And then I had these kids, I had that first child, and um, I started to notice it was harder for me to remember things. I said, oh, my God, this thing that they talked about is, is an actuality. Um, and there's an identity change from when you go from being not a mom to having one child, and then when you have another child, and every successive child after that, I assume, there's a shift in your identity. You have to now, you, there's a, a new encompassing that happens. So mm-hmm. um, just, by, just by virtue of that happening, you know, we learn the most about ourselves as we relate in, in relationships with, with lovers and relationship with coworkers, and damn sure with our children, those are the closest ones. And so it's an opportunity, again, everything's a mirror, everything's an information field, and they came here to provide me with whatever sort of tension so that I can fight against that, work against that, be challenged by it, and then grow. Because going back to something that we said way earlier, talking about the matrix and how people always got negative shit to say about it and, 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 and like it's just a horrible thing, I, don't, I guess it was a channel because something just kind of popped in my head a couple of weeks ago and they said the matrix, uh, I think, Mike, I might have told you, the matrix is not a prison, it's an opportunity. And so we look mm-hmm. at this shit as an opportunity to, to grow and, and an opportunity for that fucking alchemy. Yeah. 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 I have a video on, uh, on kind of just that, that Soul Glow video, if y'all ever seen that. Or basically, yeah, we're yeah. coming, just jumping into these experiences because we enjoy it. You know what I'm saying? Like, Panic and Bobby and all these other spiritual teachers think this is hell on hell for us, but what if we actually enjoy the pain? You know what I'm saying? What if there's something inside of us that's saying, I don't really like being, uh, you know, doing whatever, being the king of the Buddha. I want to go to America and experience, you know what I'm saying, that type of pain yeah. or that type experience that, that roller coaster that roller coaster right yeah because perfection is boring right perfection would be boring and so you're like okay let me just go try this again uh and let me just I mean, give myself the hardest curriculum <laughs> because it's I mean, too easy up here that's a, supposedly that's a thing for real. No, supposedly i just want to say this supposedly that's why the creator the all the, the the true the true deity, I'm not talking about anybody we can name or think about, supposedly that's why it created life because it couldn't experience it, so it created things that could experience it, and then after you pass, you relate those experiences 
back to it. You know, so, I, yeah. I mean, I, th- I think there's some truth to it, that we come back here because Earth ain't nothing but an amusement park. You know, uh, <laughs> some, of the, some of the most profound people I've ever had conversations with, they were alcoholics and dope fiends. Mm-hmm. I mean, had, had the most profound and impacting conversations where we sit up and talked and they told me about life and you would figure, man, what this, what, what he know about life? But he, but he does. A little too so, much. Maybe a little too a much. Little that's too why he's drinking. <laughs> exactly. You know, uh, earlier, and it was, it was a, a previous show we had, uh, Gene, where we were talking about uh, mental illness. And we were saying we were saying that it's a very good chance that the people we think are insane are the people who they just can't um, mix in these energies like we do. Mm-hmm. You know they how how we go through our lives. Yeah, you you I, I might have to meditate to talk to a spirit, but what if you had a dozen like uh, what was the dude's name Constantine in the movie? What yeah. if you had a dozen spirits talking to you all the time? It would drive you insane. Mm-hmm. And and we were talking about that in, in, in connection to the Goetia because uh, some people say when they work with the Goetia, pictures fall off the wall and, you know, all kind of crazy stuff happens. Well, energy is energy. <laughs> that was me. <laughs> that happened to me. Uh, that was it wasn't the Goetia, yeah. it was Apollos. It was Apollos. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, it, and it's real, and it's real. You know, so I just say that um, it, it's, it's different for everybody else, but these energies are real, and some of us are better at turning it down. Okay, what was the, what was the movie? Oh, Odd Thomas. You guys ever saw Odd Thomas? I have not. I'll add it to my list. Oh, you got to watch Odd Thomas. It's it's the guy who played. He was in the Star Trek movies, the recent ones. He played Chekhov. He was Odd Thomas. He, he died. He died. He died. He died a very strange death, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, the, in the movie, I Thomas, it came out in late 90s, early 2000s. In the movie, he could see and interact and, and, and work with spirits. It was easy for him. And he had to find his way to work with what we call normal life and spirits coming up to him constantly and begging for his help, almost like the movie Constantine. But I, Thomas, was a lot better because, for me, it was a lot better because it just showed him doing his best to live a normal life and then do right by all these spirits that's coming to contact him. So I, I would suggest, if you guys haven't watched it, I, Thomas, really good movie, really good movie. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm, Okay, let me take that back. I'm not going to say good as in you're going to be gripping your seat and, you know, but it just in terms of metaphysics alone, I Thomas was a good movie because it just showed how these negative and positive energies and these spirits are ever-present. You can choose to work with them or you can choose not to. And um, there was a scene in the movie where whenever he saw these negative uh, spirits, he knew not to act like he saw them because if, you, if they knew you saw them, they would kill you. So he would always act like he didn't see them. Little things like that because I'm, I'm relating that to when we talk about mental illness. Us who can deal with this, this madness we call life, we do better at ignoring positive and negative energy all around us. 
whereas kids see angels and spirits everywhere all the time, and over time they get older and they don't see them anymore. But somebody who might be in an insane asylum, who might be sleeping uh, under a bridge in a cardboard box, he just had no no defense against it. I actually had a I actually have a niece, and she had a breakdown some years ago, and what she said to me, me being on this this path of metaphysics, she told me that she was like, Uncle, I would have these voices. These voices have been talking to me since I was like six years old. I would just ignore them. She was like, it just reached a point where I couldn't ignore all these voices. And now I know she's not making that up. That's not crazy talk. She literally had, could you imagine if every deity you ever read about, every energy you ever read about, open to you at the same time, one telling you to kill yourself, one telling you to save everybody else, one telling you don't get involved, another one crying, man, that would drive anybody insane. You know, and and we we have a common ground because being a metaphysician and the cultist dealing with this energy, I understand what she's talking about. And I I was telling her, man, I, I use mantras. And she was like, "What's a mantra?" And I told her. She said, "Oh yeah, I do that. That's that's a positive affirmation. Yes, positive. So we we speak the same language indirectly because I have the same problems. Just that for me, it's not a multitude of voices." It's two or three, one telling me fuck this shit, one telling me do that shit. And, 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 and actually, I did very good because once I got on this true occult path, I, I made it a point to say I'm killing every voice in my head. It should only be one. And I reached a point where if I was anywhere doing anything and I had a random negative thought, I would almost stop mentally and say, who the fuck gave you the mic? Who told you to speak? Mm-hmm. And, and I would literally, I would find different gruesome ways to slaughter that motherfucker. He would look like me, too. Who the fuck told you to speak? Or if I saw an image in my mind of something weird happening, who, who told you to touch the projector? And that's how, I'll be honest, I went from having all these chattering voices in my head mm-hmm. to maybe one or two. And the one or two are now there just to give me uh perspective so I don't get too far caught up in doing this or doing that. And even then, it's, it's with the understanding of, like in the old school movie Mad Max, who run Bartertown? Master Blaster run Bartertown. So you're allowed to speak, but don't forget who run this shit. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's powerful, Mike, because at the end of the day, it's like, a lot of us don't see ourselves powerful right now like in this now state, in this present. We don't see ourselves powerful right now just being God. Like, if we say we God, we need to claim that shit and be it, you know what I'm saying, or chaos being or Titan or whatever, right? So it's a powerful thing to not, you know, think of yourself as like, you know, uh, Lagged or weak, whatever, or or a dead being like earth, and you're you're now in hell or whatever. No, you you still a chaos man. You still a titan or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Like the Egyptians two thousand years ago or six thousand years ago, they wasn't more powerful than us. We are them. 
right? Yeah. Right. So it's the same thing. Yeah. The same thing like 10,000 years from now. It's the same idea. Like, we're just, we're just going through this experience. So if we know, that's the key thing, know that we are it, then shit, what's, what's there to worry about? You know what? I want to share something with y'all, and this is personal for me. My, my might seem small to you guys, but I have a mantra that I, I came up with because I found myself uh, basically stressed out. And I was stressed out, and I said to myself, no, 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 you, you know what you should be doing. And so the mantra came to me uh, real simple. It came to me real simple, and I built on it in four stages. And it has four different parts to it. But I want to share it with you guys, even though I'm going to be honest. For me, it's very personal. It may sound nothing to you, but it's personal to me. Uh, my mantra, and what I do now is I repeat it. I was telling, I was telling Gene earlier, I repeat it over 45 times a day. I have an hour, I have an hour ride to work, and for a fact, I repeat it the whole time I'm at work. And I, I have it now where if I catch myself thinking anything negative, I stop whatever I'm thinking, and I just start repeating over and over. And I'm going to say it for you guys. It's real simple. I have everything that I need right now, my divine and righteous black mind, and I will use it. I have all the time in the world to myself. I am a God, and I do godly things. I came up with that because that was the pressure that I've been feeling in my personal life. I've spoken to Gene about it, you know. So that first part about having what I need, uh, the zodiac sign I was born under is Taurus. Yeah. Most of us know Taurus is Earth sign. It's concerned mm-hmm. with materiality. I'm not one of those Tauruses that got to have the best shoes, the best car. I just got to have. I should be able to put my hands on, you know, I should go to my bank account and I should see 10,000 stacks. I should have this. I should, I should have that. This was starting to drive me insane. So the second part was, if I have everything that I need right now, well, what is it that you have? My divine and righteous black mind, and I will use it. From that, my next thing is, man, my whole life is sitting around my fucking kids and my wife. You know, I squeeze in, you know, you see me on Facebook a lot. Uh, uh, Man, it's a struggle for me to study. You know, uh, every time I'm reading, I'm telling somebody, I'm studying right now, baby, and my, and my wife and kids, mm-hmm. they, they don't have any understanding of, they don't understand who the fuck is taking notes out of a book. You know, why are you so mm-hmm. wrapped up writing notes out of a book? I want to talk right now. And I'm thinking like, you know, so the third part of that was I have all the time in the world to myself because I was starting to say I need more time. No, only fucking 20, it's only 24 hours in a day. And you know what? I got that. And then the last one is I have to remind myself of my divinity. I am a God, and I do godly things. So that means anything I do is divinely inspired and divinely willed. And believe it or not, I have a couple others that I use for deities I'm working with, but that one is just for me. And believe it or not, that helped to – man, it transformed me. And, and I've done it before in the past. But just recently, and I, I, I'll be honest, I had told Gene, like, man, I feel like I'm, I'm slipping off my path. I know what the fuck to do, but I'm not doing it, you know? 
And that mantra helped me to get back on the path and realize that, you know what, it ain't nothing that you need to be worried about. You got everything that you need right now, you know. And and I repeat that mantra literally. Like I said, I have an hour drive to work. I've caught myself saying it for the whole 60 minutes. You know, I, I pulled up at work and been like, oh, damn, I've been saying it out loud to myself the whole time. And I, I, a lot of people don't understand the importance of, reminding yourself of who you are, like like Kamari yeah. just said. We Titans, we gods. It, it, the one thing we should all know by now is if you read the mythology of any god, you can't name one that just sat in the field of posies and enjoys itself or herself. There's not one. Right. They all went through they all went through these trials and tribulations and and, and, and and you would think that as a god they got it all ready. You know, Odin couldn't keep his dick in his in his pants. He he had to fuck. He had to fuck so much that sometimes he turned himself into a woman so he could be fucked. You know, and so the one thing I realized is that godhood is not about no hurdles, no problems. Godhood is about how you deal with these problems. You know, mm-hmm. and, and and you should always be the dispassionate observer even in your own life, looking down on your problems. That's, that's how I take it. So I look down on my life and say, man, what you tripping off of? Matter of fact, Kamari, in one of your lectures, I'm in a lecture, in one of your YouTubes, you were saying, man, don't stress. Name one situation in your life that you didn't make it through. You always make it through it. And I was listening and I said, man, he goddamn right. It ain't nothing I went through that I haven't got through. And if I haven't gotten through it yet, I bet I will soon. And and it helped me out a lot. So those are little reminders. For me, it's going to be mantras and sigils and and, and actually books also. I use books for the same reason. If if it, I have it, any it, doubt. See, Mike, this is, why, this is why we're so important to each other, though. This is why if you – I mean, again, I hate the term conscious community as well. But if if you consider yourself to be conscious, right – more than likely in your in your sphere in your life you're not surrounded by other conscious individuals i remember cuz again mm-hmm. i was just at panic's lecture and he was saying how i guess bobby used to say that you'll never have um uh more than one conscious person born in a family right but there were two brothers there you know what i mean so i guess it's kind of changing as time is wearing on that more and more uh, of the masters, I suppose, are returning so they can kind of do whatever we're supposed to be doing. Here. I ain't gonna get into that part, but um, so so. But most of us are are dealing with being the only individual, being the black sheep in the family, having to deal with this whole uh, realization of our divinity. You know what I mean? And being around mm-hmm. people who constantly remind us uh, that we are on Malkuth. You know? And so just you yep. saying that, like, you saying your mantra, like, I felt a calm go over me. And that was you saying it. So I know if I say that mm. to you, like, what it would do for me. So that was that yeah. was awesome. And I also understand being the one who just wants to read and wants to study, and I'm taking notes. And, and my daughter's like, Mommy, Mommy, Mommy. And I'm like, Bruh, I'm trying. I'm reading <laughs> right now. And they don't understand yeah. why that's yeah. so important to me. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, you. That's all it is, man. It's just fake it till you make it. You know what I'm saying? They into this thing just like you know you are. I mean, that's what that's what it is. We 
we're the chaos beings. We're the potential energy. So all of this is just secondary, you know what I'm saying? As long as we understand what these gods that really are, energy streams is within us, then it's, it's everything else becomes easy, you know what I'm saying? Just keep on living that truth. And mm-hmm. we're, yep. we're, we're going to uh, jump into the phone lines now, and we're going to see if anybody's got any questions or any comments. And, Kind of answer some, then we can jump right back into everything else we're talking about right now. We got a few people in the chat room right now. Um, let's see here. I'm gonna just go to one for now. Uh, in the 305, if you have any questions, I'm gonna unmute your microphone. Feel free to ask anything or drop any comments or anything. Uh, 305, are you there with us? Can you hear us? Yep. What's going on, brother? Who is this? Where are you, where are you calling from? I'm calling from Gainesville, um, Florida. Okay. You got any questions for us? You just tuning in? Are you first time uh, caller? First time listening? Yeah, this is my first time calling it live. Oh, that's dope, bro. We are happy to have you here. What do you think about welcome, the show so welcome. far? Well, both of y'all said something at the same time. What did you say? Uh, LSU, did you say something? I did. I, I just I said welcome. Something. I just said welcome, welcome. Oh, okay. okay. What do you think about the show so far? Oh, it's a good. It's a good conversation. Uh, I think that uh, we need this to commune amongst each other. Like the sister was saying, more more times than not, uh, when you are a person that have a certain level of awareness to your family, you ought to be like the chief of the family. Mm-hmm. The red you have, well, uh, let me back up and say, well, now I'm starting to notice a lot of my cousins I used to talk to when I was, years ago, they starting to, uh, for lack of a better word, wake up, become more aware of certain things. And, and I see them going through the first phases of that where they want to espouse all the knowledge they learn and sit down and give me a lecture. And I just sit back and listen. <laughs> you know, I'm not I'm not one of the ones that some people they they have attitude. I told you that years ago, but I I don't have that attitude. I just be happy for them that they finally got themselves to a certain level of awareness. You know, but you know you have uh, rare cases like Bobby him and him and his two brothers. They used to go to the Steve Manil class together, but we know that's rare. Most of the time, it's only one in a family. Mm-hmm. But that's why it's good for us to. Uh, dialogue like this and you know the saying iron sharpen iron so we build with each other and we share ideas with each other but there's nothing like uh empirical knowledge and building off your personal experiences true that true that uh i i can say that uh my little brother who is very literal in the past i've told him man i talked to mom and he's telling me, I don't want to hear that shit. Well, he popped up on me and said, I, I bought a book about transmute sexual energy. What you know about that? And I was like, <laughs> man, I was so happy that I just let him tell me everything he was learning, you know? And, and I, right. I, I, had to resist, I had to resist every urge to give him a tip. Well, do this, do that. I just listened. Oh, man, that's dope. That's dope. Oh, that's what's up. Yeah, yeah. Are oh, you doing it, man? You know, so... 
you're right. It's, it's definitely something changing that there's more than one. I actually have, real quick, I have an aunt who's in her 60s or, well, late 50s, and she just has all these questions. And I'm amazed because usually when you reach that age, you, you're too old a cat to be taught anything new by a kid. Right. And you she, she has all these questions, all these questions, and um, she 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 got her Instagram account, and she asked the most questions on my Insta. So, are you saying that this and that? And well, actually, what I'm saying is, okay, okay, thank you. I'm learning, I'm learning, I'm getting it. So there's definitely a shift, and and, and Bobby Hemmings was the most famous in saying that everybody sets their own alarm clock to wake up. And, and if yep. I wake you up at three in the morning, yeah. just because I'm woke, you're gonna be mad. <laughs> yep. Right. Right. It's not your time. And it's definitely right. something to be said body. about. There's definitely something to be said about reading books on your on your own and getting your own, like you said, empirical knowledge and your own uh, experiences, and then coming together with other folks who've been doing that exact same work and sharing. Because I had a really good time today sharing with um, this brother who I took a class with, actually. He's a Khadija's class. Um, and just that interfacing right there was just was just beautiful. Yeah. 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 Can I say one, one thing that I noticed, too? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I thought, I, I thought she was done. I didn't mean to cut her off. No, I'm good. No, go ahead. Oh, I was saying one thing I noticed, too, with um, – at least my personal experience, even with talking to people in the conscious community, sometimes you share your your events that you went with a person, and sometimes you and you you may not get no reaction from them, but then you got to realize that experience was for you. Maybe it's not for them to understand what you went through, or whatever. Because mm-hmm. a lot of these experiences are, are deeply personal, and they're just for you to uh, understand. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's subjective. Yeah, yeah, real, real personal. And, and it's rare when you can relay something personal and another person can say, oh, I get that. It's rare. Yeah. yeah. I think there's definitely the inclination in the beginning, you know, because you're you're getting all this light and it's and it's exhilarating. And, and you're just so – you just want to share it. And so the first inclination when it's first starting out is to want to share it with everybody. Um, but then yep. you start to realize, yep. oh, they don't, this was for me. Like I had this dream and I was sent this information and it was for my own gnosis and not necessarily that person. So if you can kind of put it into a, in general terms, then yeah, that's great because maybe a lesson can be taught from it. But really the lesson is meant for you. Yeah. yeah. I, I can agree with that 100%. You know, uh, I, I said earlier in the show, that my, my wife, she don't want to hear. She actually told me uh, about a year ago, I don't want to hear nothing else about another chakra. Don't you mention another chakra. And my and my feelings was hurt because I'm like, shit, this is what the fuck I like. I, I, watch, I watch Love and Hip Hop with you. I should be able to talk about chakras. But she said, I don't want to hear it. Well, one day uh, I had a book come in the mail. I was at work. And the book was Samuel uh, Ayunweor. Uh, it was uh, Kabbalah and Tarot. And I got home, and my wife had the book in front of her, and she was highlighting shit. And she was like, uh, you know, 
oh, this is a good book. It's telling me about my sign and this and that. And I was, I was, I was truly amazed because I'm like, oh wow, uh, dude, dude is not an easy author to read. But she picked it up and she did what she did. And and to be truthful, after that, I still don't want to hear about no chakras though, Michael. I want to hear about no chakras. <laughs> You know, and, and, and at, at, the, at the time, at the time, I was doing heavy chakra work. That's all I talked about was chakras and dreams, chakras and dreams, and chakras and chakras. And she's like, no, I, I don't want to hear about another chakra because that's not where she at. And, you know, I get it. I get it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the chakras are the most important thing. So once you accomplish that, them seven, man, you can actually rule this earth and rule this world. So it's just about going deep within and just understanding these past lives and this life you're living in now and just conquering these energies and just manipulating this shit because end of the day, man, it, it comes down to, you know, your will and if you want to do the work or not. I see a lot of people that it's, it's just about the work. You know what I mean? It's like, just do it. Just go through that emotional trauma and go back to the past experiences, go back to past lives even, and, um, you know, conquer that shit. You know what I'm saying? You know what emotions you came in into this earth with, and you understand the emotions you garnered in this reality. So just keep on working on these emotions, and then you'll start feeling that heaven, that completion. Definitely. Um, Chakras is deep, deep. Yeah, then you, you, you was at uh, Panic, you, you, you said you was at Panic's um, lecture. Yeah, yeah, I was there, yeah. We was listening to it, man. It kept chopping in and out, but, you know, we got the message, Panic. Panic does do a thing where he tells the same story, but he makes another twist to it, which still gives mm-hmm. you some. So that I appreciate him for that because I got every single one of his little lectures and all of that, and um, and I actually record them from my computer. So I I watch those like crazy. Even my class that I took, I watch that like crazy. Mm-hmm. Every time I hear it, every time I hear uh, the class, I don't care how long it's been. I don't, man, I don't even know how long it's been, but it, every time I hear it, it's like I learn something new. It's like I'll be like, what? Or or I probably forgot, and then I relearn it or something. But, mm-hmm. yeah. I know, yo, that... I'm rereading yeah. the Kabbalion right now. You know what I mean? Like I was telling, I was telling Jean about this. So I read it like two years ago, right? And I had whatever experience I had then, and I yeah. had a bunch of different experiences in the two years since. Just rereading it right now, it's it just takes on a, a whole different richness um, to it yeah. because of the experiences that you now have as reference points for that. So it's the same thing with Panic's class, and even today, like. Like, like I said, a lot of this stuff I heard, but just being in the building, it's something about the energy. It's something, you know what I mean? So I was just like, I still got something from it. I'm actually speaking of which, do any of y'all have a secret source? What's that? What's that? 
Did any of y'all had a book, The Source of the Secret? I don't, I don't know. It's called The Secret? Who's the author? You said The Secret? The Source of the Secret. It's, it's um, based on the Kabbalion. Oh, it's like a good book. The Source of the Secret. I'm going to lock that in. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to yeah, look I'm it up right now. Down. Right. Because I've read the Kabbalion a few times. I even listen to it on my way to work sometimes. It's one that I, I get jewels out of all the time. I, I, I yeah. go I go through I go through the Kabbalion like I do my chakras. I always I always get back to chakra work, especially if I, I find myself in balance. And the Kabbalion is one of them. One if I'm not reading it, when I got some time, like I said, I got an hour ride to work. I listen to it, and like you said, What's the name of you it? always hear the source of the secret. Is that a? It's mm-hmm. a video, ain't it? They might have a video, but it's, I'm talking about a book form. Okay. Source of the Secret. Yeah, I want to look into that. I actually teach lessons out of the Kabbalion uh, at Lodge. So, uh, yeah, I'm all about it. Any more information I can get on it, I'll definitely try my best yeah. to uh, apply. Crazy talk about the Kabbalion because uh, me and Trav supposed to be doing something on Travis Major is supposed to be doing something on the Kabbalion um, soon. Coming up soon, like where, you know, he has this whole book club thing and everything like that. But the best Kabbalion for me is Wayne Chandler, our brother, you know, Ancient Future, and then uh, Panic, you know, Panic's book also. They, he's dropping. They just basically break it down to where you just feel it. You just be like, damn. Because yeah. I read the Kabbalion when I was young, like way, way younger, and I was like, oh, okay, this is good, yeah. And when you read that ancient future and then you read Panic Perspective, it's like a whole different world you take on. So I'm at the Oh, you won't regret it. You won't regret it. He didn't even have any for sale today, which sucks. He never has them at his lectures. He didn't have any when he came to Detroit, neither. He's like, Um, you know, know, I bought some cherry oil from him, the Astro Travel Oil. That shit's amazing. I love it. The Panic Pack didn't do a whole bunch for me, but the cherry oil, I know he only sells that at lectures. That mm-hmm. stuff's amazing. If I put, I use it almost every night, and I have a lot of fun in the Asheville using that stuff. I drink a lot of water. It's his cherry oil. He only sells it at his lectures, unless it's on his website now. I haven't been on the site in a minute, but I know that's something that's exclusive for his lectures. Cherry yeah. oil, yeah, cherry uh, oil, man, astral oil uh, or something, but it smells like cherry. The the thing the thing about the thing about uh, these books when we reread them, uh, water water only finds its level. So mm. once you raise your level up, it's like you pour some more water into your glass, and and you, it's like it's like re-listening to one of Panic's old lectures. You might have got a ton of information out of the first time. Like you were saying, Jay, you attended the lecture, and, re- and re-listening to it, you're, you're hearing even more because actually you reached another level in your understanding. Uh, yeah. Kamari, you said it. Kamari said it in one of his YouTubes that you used to listen to Bobby, and all you heard was the black, 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 black. I was the same way. 
I listened to Bobby for years, and then finally one day it hit me and said, man, this man giving out all these books, all these techniques. You ain't tried none. And I started trying. And, and it's just you can only get the information on your level where you're at. I definitely want to get that source of the secret, so I'm going to look into that ASAP. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for dropping that. That's dope. I sent you that. I sent it to you. You sent it to me? I sent you a, I sent you a picture of it, Mike. Oh, okay, thanks, thanks. Mike, well, you can forward it over to me if you get the chance to. Or just put it in the group. Oh, this, yeah, hey, this is Wally? This is Wally Gordon? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. I'm saying, <laughs> hey, hold on. Let me stop right now. I got to do an advertisement. I got to give it up to this brother right here. This is my brother from the great mother. Uh, this is actually, what you guys don't know, this is one of my mentors, man. This brother right here has helped me uh, instrumentally along my journey in terms of book recommendations, uh, uh, suggested techniques. This my brother from the great mother right here. I, I must have missed your name when you said it. I didn't know it was you, but I got, I got, I got it. This brother right here has a wealth of information. Uh, took C. Freeman L. classes. This is a brother right here, man, that he's my go-to brother. Matter of fact, some morning we on different coasts, so he gets he's up earlier than me, but I'm usually woke. He'll, he'll text me in the morning and say, man, uh, I know you've seen it already. Watch this Steve Freeman L video again. And I, I, I take it as golden, and I plug in, I listen to it, I watch it. If he suggests a book, you got this book. If I got it, I get it. If I don't have it, I get it. But, yeah, this, this is my brother from the great mother right here. Uh yeah, okay. That's cool, man. Well, I'm glad you joined in and I was able to catch mm-hmm. the show. Have yeah, he just tagged the book, or did he, he he tagged the book, or I'm trying to find it he now. Did. Uh, he sent me the um. What I do is I post it. He sent me the uh the uh link to it on Amazon, and uh okay. the source of the secret. The law of attraction is in its hermetic influence, and it's uh, 1554 on Amazon Prime. But I will tell you my secret: I order these books when when you find them. I go to used copies because the used copies are never beat up. So if it's 1554 Prime, you'll probably get it for six, seven bucks used. And that's what I always. But check this out, Mike. Check this out, though. I ordered um this book called the the Cloak of the Illuminati. I'm sure I didn't. I'm sure I paid more than a dollar. But when it comes, the people who sell a book, they bought it from Goodwill for a dollar. So we probably need to start calling book uh, a Goodwill and, and seeing what books they got in there. Yep, yep. I, I I just started. I just started where if I'm riding around nothing to do, I hit up two or three different Goodwills, and I'll be honest. For sixty nine cent, I bought a really good uh, book on Greek mythology. I got I got a few good books for under a dollar out of a Goodwill. I got a a, a a nice size thesaurus for like two bucks. So yeah, I just started doing it. I just started where I go to different uh, Goodwills and see what's up. But you're right, you find jewels up in there. Mhm, definitely, definitely. So yeah, and that's the magic in this whole thing because at the end of the day, man, you know what I'm saying? These books, we we're reading them and. We're gaining understanding and knowledge from them, but then we um, we take it, take that knowledge, and just work, do the work, and that's what 
do what you know what I mean, do as thou wilt. And at the end of the day, you know what I mean, uh these books ain't, you know, like the all the be all. We just gotta understand that our minds is going to interpret it in so many different directions. Mm-hmm. I might have a different perspective. Y'all might have a different perspective. So it's just up to us to take whatever we gain from that and just do the work at that time. And then as time goes on, from what I've been understanding from my fucking 15, 10 years or 12 years of consciousness or whatever, you you kind of start seeing this thing as a different thing. You know what I mean? You start seeing different things and understanding different things. Like Mike was saying, um, I thought Bobby was talking about black consciousness. Now I, I can't even hear no black consciousness in any of his videos. And I listen to Bobby at least once a day, something. You know what I mean? So it's just about keep moving towards this thing. And I think that's why Bobby did these videos because he had a higher understanding of like, I got to put this tape out because at the end of the day, it's going to impact somebody's life in the long run. Mm-hmm. It's going to take soul, whether it's, you know what I'm saying, whether they young in the consciousness or not. I couldn't agree with you more, and I think that's why it's so important that people start writing this stuff down. Um, yes. Write every experience you have down, and then when you read it in books, let that be confirmation, you know, because mm-hmm. there is no greater confirmation than something that you wrote down yourself and that you see another person that studies what you study. They go into it. You, you'll find it eventually. I was actually piggybacking off something I seen from my gym that hit me hard. We need to live like the scientists. Bobby and Panic have said it plenty of times. You know, the more you experiment with this, the better off you're going to be all the way around. You get more comfortable dealing with different subjects. And writing dreams down is a huge one. Writing, if you can write down every metaphysical experience you have and then find other experiences in books, you can go on a full metaphysical journey without ever reading a book. I fully believe just meditating. Is all you need because motherfuckers don't have books in the Congo. They didn't have books in the Aztecs, the Indians. They didn't have books for any of that shit. They did tribal ritual stuff and got all the results they needed until, you know, shit changed. But I really feel like writing everything down as much as you possibly can is probably your one of your biggest and strongest advantages when it comes to spirituality. And then, like I said, if you find that someone else has experienced the same thing, like there's your confirmation that, you know, your work is worth and you really, you know, you're applying it. And I think, too, when it comes to books, that can become uh, an entrapment, you know what I mean, where you start to think that you need, I need to read more books, I need that book, I need this book, because you don't think that whatever you got going on is is enough. I, I was telling a story when I was actually, uh, at the lecture today, and I was talking to uh, and to that cat uh, Fashad, who who took the class with me, and I had mentioned how I basically like spirit kind of showed me 
like Reiki, right? And it kind of showed me how to do that shit, right? And I never took the class, a, a, a Reiki class. I never got certified or none of that shit. Now, if you know anything about Reiki, you know you got to get attuned at a certain point, right? So I'm, I'm, I'm just learning about Reiki via spirit and whatever, whatever. And then I said, well, if I, if I kind of back up a little bit, I had a dream that basically told me that I was going to be able to, like, work with energy like that and that, and that healing energy. And so I said, okay, well, is this Reiki? Because that's all I really knew about energy and energy healing. And, and I needed to understand, like, okay, is this Reiki? And is, am I going to have to get an attunement? Because my understanding of attunements is someone has to kind of go in there and kind of fuck with my energy field, and I really wasn't with that. And what I came to understand, what Spirit helped me to understand, is I did not need that, right, because that's an entrapment. Because you start to think that the only way I have access to this energy and the only way I can wield it is if I get this attunement. You see what I'm saying? Whereas it, you have to understand it's available to everybody. You just have to learn how to how to access it and how to work with it. Yeah, I agree. I agree. You know, uh, it was C. Freeman L. He had said in one of his lectures that, you know, these books have a certain energy, you know. Nobody wrote a book that said they didn't want to sell it. You know, maybe the, maybe the authors mm-hmm. of the Kabbalion might. The authors of the Kabbalion might be the only people who wrote a book that didn't want no recognition and, you know, but other than that, a lot of these books have an energy of by me, you know, but I, I look at books as they just remind me of what I already knew. You know, I've gotten books and, and only cared about three pages. I had three pages of confirmation out of a 25 book, and that was more than enough for me, you know, but uh, like you say, it's just, it's just, Different levels. You can you can you can get it all through meditation, and you know, uh, and writing it down, and in meditation because as above, so below. You know, uh, I I just wouldn't. I, I personally would hesitate to tell somebody new to this. Uh, you don't got to read a book because everybody right now talking, especially Wally man. Wally probably got a Wally Gordon probably got a whole. Uh, storage full of books, but you re- you do reach a point where the books aren't as important, I'll say that. But even yeah, then, yeah. You, still, yeah. you still might get a book or you might hear somebody mention the author and you'll get that book, and it might just be for a few pages of confirmation, you know, not so much new information, just confirmation. So it's something to be, you know, uh, I, I was caught up, man, I, I had, I had a, a, a program, a ritual. Every time I got paid, I bought me three books. I get paid once a week. I bought three books a week. And my, my justification was, man, it's under 20 bucks. I'm getting all the books used, paying, you know, $4 for this book, $7 for that book. Man, it's no big deal. But it does become a thing. But I'll be honest, I'm a reader. And uh, uh, sometimes I can read, and I might zone off and go to the left and might not even be paying attention to what I'm reading, and I get my notices that way. So for me, it works. I just would hesitate because there's so many people nowadays, man, ain't read nothing. I ain't talking about no magical books. Some of these other books are, like, foundational, you know. I would say Jay Rogers, uh, Ivan Van Sertema, mm-hmm. Dr. Yosef Dr. Vinyakin. Some of these books you got to read, you're not going to have no – no foundation, you know what I'm saying? So a lot of these books, you, uh, a lot of people, you catch them and they're talking, and, and I get it, you're speaking from the spirit, but you don't know what you're talking about. You know, uh, some of this stuff, yeah, pick up a book, it ain't going to kill you. 
you know, uh, the biggest the biggest excuse I hear is, man, white man wrote that book. I ain't reading no book by white man. Man, get the oh, fuck yeah, out of here. Get yeah, out of here. Because it's the same people that tell you that to tell you we the first here and we did everything. So how can a white man write a book that didn't come from you? You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. it's just it's just kind of it's, it's it's a fine line you walk, and you got to know yourself, and you got to know yourself. Because if if you got knowledge yourself, you'll know, man, I don't need no book at this phase. Or you might find yourself on a topic that you're studying. You might you might need a book or two on it. You just might. Or you, or I, I'll be honest. I've seen things in meditation, and knew that I need a book to help me understand what I just saw. And I found the books where I found the lecture, and that lecture led me to a book, and I said, oh, okay, this is what the fuck I saw. This is what the message was. So it's, it's levels and layers. It's levels and layers. It's, and, uh, it's also people, just good you know, to have the, the, the reference library because you never know just kind of through living this life, you might need to real quick, oh, let me double back and look at this book real quick because I, I know that there's something in there that can help me make sense of this situation. So if you feel drawn to a book, but you, ain't feel, you don't feel like reading it just yet. Go ahead and add that shit to your damn library. That's right. You, you know what, too? You know what, too? I, 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 have so many, I have so many books that I know for a fact that some of these books are going to end up in my kids' hands, and I'm okay with that. Yeah. You know, my kids, my kids see me reading constantly. They see me constantly taking notes, and every time they ask me what you're doing, I'm working on my book. What are you doing, Dad, or I'm doing, you know? And so I know that at some point, I know that right now my kids listen to me, and, you know, I know that when they hit their teenage years, there's nothing I can say to them that's going to be their turn to experience and do. But I'm pretty sure, let me die, well, not let me, when I die, and they got to go through all that stuff, they got to say to themselves, man, what was Daddy reading these books? And, and honestly, yeah. like I said, even about Bobby Hemmett, the mere fact that they know his voice and his face, and he's a funny fat man, I'm convinced that at some point in life, they're going to say, man, let me listen to this funny fat man my daddy used to always listen to. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what I was saying, Mike. They was birthed to us. Like, they birthed us. See what I'm saying? So yep. it's not, we're looking at this thing as a time scale, but there is no such thing as time when we get out the circle of time, out of the zodiac circle. So then, it's just about agreement on the other side is saying, okay, we're going to come in in this time scale or time frame in our mindset, which we, we can't really understand and, you know, gain this work or this knowledge or whatever, or this understanding as a, as pain or as suffering or whatever we like to call it, but it's really just an understanding. Because that's what we're gaining is this understanding. If we're if we're always happy and joyous and you know uh, great, let's say Jay Z or P Diddy or whatever, right? If we have that type of lifestyle or whatever, right? Then what is there to actually learn? I mean, you can still learn from you know being a billionaire or a millionaire or whatever, but at the end of the day. We're coming back to experience some kind of trauma, some kind of understanding that's going to propel us to, you know, gain something new. And that's where I go back to my whole soul goal thing 
where I said, we're coming back to jump on this roller coaster and just have these different experiences because we are bored with perfection. Yeah. Yeah. I know I went too left, but damn. And I was, no, that, was, yeah, that was amazing. That was deep as hell. <laughs> I was like, whoa, yeah. where'd that come from? But no, that fit in beautifully. Uh, I want to tell y'all something else, but I for, I already forgot about the shit. It'll come back to you. It'll come back to you. Well, you know what? We're getting to about four hours. I think it's about time for us to wrap this up, actually. Um, I had a schedule for three, and usually it'll record all of it, but we'll usually I can email the guys and they can send me the rest of it and stuff. But I don't think we have anybody else in the chat room. Uh, a lot of our listeners actually download the shows later. We had people, but they kind of came in and came out since then um any last word any last thoughts for anybody man i appreciate y'all man just uh the knowledge and the wisdom understanding that y'all bring in on facebook and all the other platforms and even this station right here like you know i mean it's just hard to find people that's actually doing the work and putting in this time and effort to know thyself, you know what I'm saying, and become that chaos being that we are, divinely are. That's all it is. We are naturally this. We're, you just got to take it as just chaos being. Panic ain't saying nothing new. You just keep on telling you stories to let you know that, yeah, you are it. So just use your mind. The mind is all. Say, fuck this shit. I'm about to take this world over. See what I'm saying? So it's about just the confidence and the understanding of just knowing that you are the all. And I appreciate y'all, man, because y'all are the all. And y'all just bringing this knowledge and understanding. Y'all understanding is just powerful. Appreciate that. Thank man. you. Thank you so much. Yeah, definitely. It means a lot coming for you, brother, because you work hard. So I know you ain't going to acknowledge nobody that ain't working just as hard as you. Oh, no. I see I see the books and all of that stuff you dropping, Mike. So I know. <laughs> I'm like, man, say, he, he on the same path. Like I told you when I first seen your stuff, I was like, yeah, this this my brother from another. Oh, uh, that's right. Guy. And I know it's 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 in due time where something has to happen to where, you know, what I'm saying either you really understand that because I understand it from a jump because I I can feel the energy, you know, what I'm saying I don't make that shit up. So kind of like you got to go with that feeling, you know, what I'm saying spirit is all about the feeling. It's not about like this logical aspect that we have holding against us and all of this is just going with that oh yeah that that's it yeah that that feels right you know what i'm saying yeah when, when we go with that when we go with these hunches and these knowings mm-hmm. and, you know it, it, it's a beautiful play that happens on this earth realm and yeah, just just looking at your posts, Mike. I just I, I learned some knowledge too. Mm-hmm. 
Mike. Well, I'm just thankful. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I'm just thankful that you guys had me on so I could chop it up with the bros, <laughs> being the only chick here. I'm always worried that, like, what do I have to bring to the situation? But I don't know. I think today kind of helped me to see um, just the, the other perspective and, 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 and how it balances out. So I'm, I'm glad for the opportunity. Thank, thank you for having me on here again. Yeah, no Man, uh, LSC, but thank you, you, you gave me some, Yep, you gave me some homework because I'm going to definitely look at that mommy mind. Uh, oh. <laughs> I, I, it, it, it's amazing. You know, we take for granted that the childbirth is a miracle. It's, I had a nephew that asked me, he said, man, Mike, why you believe in magic? He said, magic don't exist. I, I said, magic happens every day. He said, name one instant. I said, childbirth. And he shut up. Mm-hmm. He <laughs> say. Because, because nothing says that, it, it, logically, it doesn't make sense that just from the act of having sex, and uh, a sperm inseminating the ovum. Nothing says that should create a consciousness. Nothing. It's, mm-hmm. it's truly, it's, it's truly something amazing, and um, it's something that I think as, as, as a as a male is something we take for granted. But I appreciate you. I do because you 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 bring uh, 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 clarity and understanding to a lot of topics. Even though you promised promised that you was just gonna do some listening. But you know, you uh, you you added more than two cents, and I appreciate it. You know it. what? I'm glad I, to be here. I thought I was, you know, because I was still on that high from from the lecture. You know what I mean? And also, I had taken so many notes, you know, like pages of notes of the for the movie, and I didn't get a chance to review them because the lecture was like eight hours, you know. So I was like, oh, yeah. I ain't gonna have anything to offer. And then it's really, it's the it's the confluence of all of us together that really brings it out. You know what I mean? So like we can study in isolation um, all we want, and that's great. But it's really when you get into that cipher with with other other you know people who are doing the same studying. I don't know. It just kind of helps the shit come alive. So I, I couldn't I couldn't stay quiet for too long. No, I, I'm a, I got I, I could do y'all one even better. Like me and Travis Majors was talking this morning, just this morning, we was talking about the power of that feminine energy and how my queen and Moot, you know what I'm saying, we're trying to, me and Trav trying to do stuff analytical in this whole YouTube scheme and all of this other thing, right? But, man, our, the queens, like, the goddesses, the, that feminine energy, they just straight chaos for real. So they go on whatever they want, and and it's just a powerful thing, like, because the light and the knowledge that y'all have, Elisheva, like, it's just, it's amazing. Like, it's just from a whole nother world, a whole nother, man, it, it, I can't even explain it in my male you know, counterpart, but then I'm trying to get to y'all shit. <laughs> real. And get to y'all, you know, shit, because I love being a male. Don't let me get you wrong about that. Shit. <laughs> right. Let's <laughs> make that, that clear. Yeah, yeah, let's make that clear. I wouldn't be able to do that. I'll burst. Mm-hmm. No way. Shit. I think it's the 
that mutual appreciation for the opposite gender that is something that we should all like kind of aspire to. You know what I mean? Instead of thinking that you're so right in your own gender and I'm the shit because I'm a woman or I'm the shit because I'm a dude, like that's so short-sighted because the because the energy and the power is in the reunification. You know what I mean? So yeah. So it's uh, that it's good to hear that because we should all be working towards that. Yeah. Wally, you I got agree. any questions? Any comments? Wally, you still there? Three oh five. Hello. Yeah, you there? We can hear you. Hello. I don't know if he can. Hey, before I go, before I go, I was um, supposed to be teaching a course next week on Friday, but you know what? I decided to change that course and turn it into an ebook. And so, follow me on Instagram. That's the best place to reach me. All right, spiritual dot sister girl on Instagram. So at spiritual dot sister girl on Instagram. Um, I'm working on an ebook on manifestation right now, and I think I'm gonna just kind of flood the shit with just a bunch of ebooks on just a bunch of information that I have in my head. So come check me out. Oh, that's what's cool. awesome. I sure awesome. will. Definitely. Yeah. Um, Thank you. Drop, drop any, anybody who wants to plug themselves, go for it. Uh, Kamari, I want you to do the same thing. Definitely put your email, uh, your YouTube channel, your Facebook, because believe it or not, a lot of people would download this, you know, later on. A lot of people will come back and listen to it, and it'd be nice for them to be able to find you guys. Oh, my uh, email, yeah. spiritual.sistergirl at gmail.com. Okay, bye. Well, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, loveliftlife.com. Go to Love Lift Life YouTube. And, man, I would love for y'all to join my platform one day, man. We can all get together. Like I said, uh, this community that that's happening, this consciousness that's happening, um, you know, kind of past panic kind of thing. There's a, another level of I, I don't want I don't want to say spiritual teachers, but uh, master students. You know what I'm saying? That's happening. Like we can all just get together and vibe and you know uh, build together. And, you know, I love to have y'all on my platform where we can just go for what we know, man. Let's, let's make this thing. That'd be awesome. That's what I was telling Travis. So Travis Majors that I'm like, nigga, look, we we need to be on this stuff all the time. That's why we build, we, we're connected, you know what I'm saying? It's not no difference, uh, nothing. This, this is a big illusion, so... As long as we able to, you know, get on there and talk and just build shit, no big deal. But yeah, um, whenever whenever we come up with something, man, let's do it. Let's get it. Going. I'll shoot you an email as soon as you get off of here. Sometime tonight or tomorrow, we can work something out. I think this kind of stuff is where it's at, and the more people that can jump on and relate to it, you know what I'm saying, the better. Mike, oh, and I just sent you a firm request, Kamari. I just sent you a firm request. Okay, bet, bet, bet. Yeah, because I'm actually having a goddess thing where I'm having Mook, my 
Queen. Uh, uh, damn, what's her name? I don't want to mess her name up. Um, and a few other, few other that you two got the the ones that um, uh, what's the name? Uh, Mashley Foolish posts mm-hmm. his page. We're gonna do some kind of goddess uh, build. I guess, you know what I'm saying, where I got some deep, pertinent questions, you know what I'm saying, about this reality and, you know, what it is to be a female goddess. I don't want to go in too deep because it'll be kind of strange right now, but, yeah. No, no, that sounds dope as hell. Like, I sent you an email, I mean, I sent you a, um, an inbox or a friend request, so, yeah, definitely, that sounds interesting. Yeah, you're going to do it. Yeah, and man, that's what it, that's all it is, man. Just building. And you know, Mike. This Mike is actually the uh, Michael Jordan of this thing. He don't even know it yet, though. For real. The goat. goat. I ain't never seen. He talking about me work hard. I ain't never seen nobody post so much information and just have so much understanding because that's what it is, understanding like Mike so shit. Yeah, you can come at Mike with anything too. (laughs) (laughs) He's going to have something for you. So he he talking all this shit, man, I already know. I'm like, nah, nigga, you really Mike? You the GOAT. I know the GOAT. (laughs) So it's just all about Mike being able to, and and who knows, this whole thing might come to a play where we pushing Mike forward to blow this whole thing, this whole consciousness to another level of understanding. We just did a shame yesterday about that because uh, we was talking about how B.O.B. is going to take this to a whole other level. But then again, like... You know, be a be and panic, but then again, you know what I'm saying? Just people just building up the confidence to get out there and just start making they making they understanding known. That's all it is. You know what I'm saying? Because folks yeah. are hungry for the information. Just a lot of young people are, are hungry for the information, and just in general, like. When I showed up at the lecture, I just was like, not that I didn't expect people to be there. You know what I mean? But it was just. It was it was dope, and then, and now I even saw a few older heads in there. So it was just like across the generation, people want this information. Mm-hmm. Which city was that? Um, Mount Laurel, New Jersey, which I guess is like right by Philly, but you know. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I appreciate y'all, family man, y'all, y'all. Uh, follow me on Facebook and all of that, and. We'll link up, man. Y'all know what it is. I enjoy y'all conversation and all of that, and um, I enjoyed y'all breakdown on this um, where dreams like um, <coughs> which is a very important movie in this whole theme of things. Well, we appreciate you uh, being on board and sharing so much with us today. This show really just became uh it manifested into something way bigger than what i thought it was going to 
And a lot of times shows, I found it best just letting things just happen the way it should. You know, when you have notes and stuff, it helps out. But when you really just jump off the gate and let conversations go as far as they can go, you really tap into some real good science. And hearing Mm -hmm. different perspectives is always really good, too. Uh, To me, it keeps me on my toes. Mike, you want to put your uh, contact information down? Uh, you can catch me on Facebook, Michael Bell. Um, Instagram, I am who I think I am. I have a backup. I have a backup page, Kabbalah Elohim. I I, I use that page basically just for uh, my whole scheme right now is balancing light and dark. I use that page for uh. Because my 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 Michael Bell Facebook and my Instagram, man, I got probably six seven thousand followers, and I got about six thousand followers on Facebook, and uh, a lot of times the information I want to present, <clears throat> not that I'm I'm challenged in presenting it, it's just you know it it, it gets to a point where. You either end up explaining the same shit over and over. So my Kabbalah Elohim on Instagram, I just keep it where I'm just putting my, you know, the shit that's crossing my dome, what I'm working on, which is chakras and deities and shit like that. I kind of focus strictly on there and getting that information out. And I use my Instagram and my Facebook. I I relieve a little pressure and, you know. But my main thing, Kamara, you said it, I'm working on, I keep saying that I'm working on probably uh, six books at the same time, and I got even more book concepts I haven't touched yet. And uh, that's another one of my mantras that I've I've wrote. I've written more books than I've ever read, and I've read a whole lot of books. And I know it's true. So uh, you know, um, I get these books out there. Maybe I'm being pushed to the front. I try to play the back like a fiddle. That's my plan. I just like to, you know, get that information out there and see who's working. But my uh, my email is uh, michaelkbell at yahoo.com. You know, I, I literally do take the time out to answer anybody's question, and I don't think that no such thing as a dumb question. Because I do remember when a lot of times in these uh, magical communities I would be in groups, and you could ask a question or ask about a book and you got no answer. So I keep that in mind. That's why I share what I share, and I only share what I'm working on. So if I get, if I post a, a, a PDF, you can believe I took you know five six pages out of there for what I was working on, and I decided to share it. So that's that's it. You know, uh, as of right now, uh, as soon as them books hit, you can believe I'm gonna push them books, and you know I'm gonna put the spirit of buy on every one of them books. <laughs> mm-hmm. <Absolutely. laughs> You got a hell of a platform to start off with, too. Six thousand followers—that's a—that's a damn good way to start off advertising those books. So, you in yeah, a good position yeah. for sure. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. Yep. Well, you guys can get a hold of me on. Uh, I have a few different Facebooks. I'm Gene Butler or Mason Muerte on Facebook. On Instagram, you can contact me at the Natural Order of. Or Gmail, natural order of at Gmail, too. I think we're going to wrap it up for the evening. It was an absolute honor and pleasure to uh, have you all on and talk with you tonight. I think we touched on some amazing stuff. We hit four hours and nine minutes. So, you know, I would doubt we would have went that long and not hit something good. (laughs) 
Um, <laughs> I'll contact all of you. What's that? Go ahead, Smurf. I ain't gonna lie to you, Gene. We could have went way, way longer. This shit would have probably went all night. That's the crazy thing about it because mm-hmm. see this room was filling up. It was like, wow, okay, damn, this this could go however we wanted to go. So I'm glad you stopped it, nigga, because I'm trying to go to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right, what time zone are you in? Man, I'm in Central Time, so it's 12 o'clock right now for me. It is 1.11 for me right now. Me too. I got all Man. ones across my clock. Yeah, you. I'm on that best coast. It's only 10, It's only about 10.11 right now, so I can still give me a little rest. I don't know what y'all going to do. <laughs> I got I got 45 minutes to make it to the liquor store, so y'all got to run. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> I bought my liquor store. You got to stock up. To go anywhere. <laughs> I'm fucking Wait, dumb, I ain't no liquor store, man. The liquor store closed at 9 o'clock for us on Sunday or Saturdays. What state you in? What? I'm in Texas. I'm in Houston, Texas. So, oh, shit. Wait, what? You in Houston? Yeah, nine o'clock. Nine o'clock. Hey, a lot of my family's in Houston. If you know any butlers in Houston, there's a good chance they're related to me. Houston and Pasadena. I actually lived in the Rio Grande. I lived down in uh, Harlingen for a year back in 2001. There's uh, there's all kind of stuff I can tell you about South Padre Island. <laughs> but what's cool about it out there is uh, there's a lady that I'm really cool with. Her name is Janelle Longoria. And she is the Santa Muerte lady. She's down in Harlingen. And she does rituals and stuff right down in uh, South Padre Island and stuff right at the beach. She'd be somebody yeah. really cool to connect with if you ever want to get into the holy depths. She travels. Yeah, you don't even know how many botanicas and, and uh, you know, witches and all of that that I run into down here in Texas. It's crazy. Like, it's just... A whole nother. My home, my home girl. Well, I'm saying my home girl. This lady, like 80 years old, but she has her own botanica, and man, just powerful. Every time I go in there, I get the magical stuff, crystals, a reading. You know what I'm saying? Some herbs. She got the whole thing lit up, and she ain't even making that much money from it. But she is Hispanic lady, and she just got some. Some powerful energy she brings into that thing, and everybody that knows her is just. Whew, I always try to tip her and everything. That's that's my yeah. So I already know. We had to talk because I seen my grandmother do some stuff when I was in Texas that, to this day, is well. I mean, I can understand it now, but when I was a kid, to me, it was unexplainable. Like cracking eggs and having black yolks and. All kind of crazy stuff she was into. I say crazy. All kind of things she was into. It was crazy to me when I seen it as like a teenager. But yeah, it's a lot of lot of deep rooted stuff down in Texas. We'll have to talk sometimes because now I'm really interested yeah. in who you know out there. Not even trying to go that long with this show or whatever, but man, there's some Hispanic ladies that just got that magical energy. With you know this whole uh, man, I I don't even know how to explain it. I don't know what it is. 
I guess because we we so Spanish bound, or whatever you know, because Mexico is right here or whatever. But it's just some powerful stuff going on with them, and they're bringing some. It's not no religious stuff. Don't get me wrong. Some of them are religious, but some of them know and understand. Like there's some latent energies within this that you know you can tap into. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. We have to talk. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, everyone. What's that now? No, I was saying, let's get off this thing because, shit, if we don't, (laughs) we're never going to stop. (laughs) All right, you guys. Everybody was really nice talking to you. We will, uh, I'll message all of you one-on-one. We'll get another idea for a show. We'll probably reschedule it a month from now or so. But until next time, everybody, we'll have a good night, and we'll talk to you later. All right. Peace, peace. Peace, family. Peace. Health and prosperity. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo, and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.